Shake and all, this is the J-Dog, this is Exploited Cinema, and this is episode 22, The Search for Grease. Yeah, I'm here with my homeboy, Bat32, what it is, G? That is an awesome subtitle for this episode, Search for Grease. You like that, eh? I was going to say yeah. Search for Spock, but what the fuck, if I found Spock, I'd probably bitch slap his goofy looking ass, so. I don't Hell know, yeah. he might be a mean adversary. <laughs> Fucking flap his ears at me or something, yeah. Never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what we talking this this time, buddy? We got a big show here. Charles Bronson. Little Charlie talk. Hey, boyo. Listen to the show and enjoy. It's uh, about damn time. Grave. It's about damn time for this, you know? It's been a while since I talked some Chuck yet. Little Charlie. Well, what's the show? Is we got a little Death Wish 1, Death mm-hmm. Wish 2, and a little what? Death Hunt Death Hunt in the middle, yes. Yes, the uh, true story of the Mad Trapper, Rat River, Alfred Johnson. So that's going to be great. Is the movie the true story? You know the history, so we're going to get a little. We're going to get a little bit of a history lesson and uh, movie review with that one, huh? Going to get educated. It's like fucking going to school again, yeah. So mm-hmm. smoke some dope so you can sleep in class and <laughs> get ready, boys. But we got a couple questions, uh, not too many, but that's okay, because, like, I mean, shit, the last episode, and I think the episode before that was just, like, we were bogged down with fucking questions, hour-long intros, you know? Yeah, we got barely any this time. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. It's all right. What can you do? Yeah, we got a lot of good feedback on the last episode, though. I guess the masses are really feeling it. and They liked your social commentaries. Mm, yeah, I, I was thinking about cutting them down because I thought I was getting out of hand with it. So we'll see. You were you were a little preachy, but eh? We'll see if I can restrain myself. Uh, I'm gonna try. So. Wow. Guess the Death Wish movies would have some, but you're not gonna find a whole lot in Death Hunt. 
No, there's not a lot of social statements about Death Hunt. It's kind of just, you know, it, what it is is it's a throwback um, to that kind of period of how they dealt with things, you mm-hmm. know? Kind of a period piece, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, we got all kinds of good stuff coming up this show, though. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to have a little announcement, uh, some more updates on the contest, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're going to have a contest rolling where we're going to be giving away. Oh, we've been talking stuff. shit about it for a while. We just mm. kind of prolonging it. Well, yeah, it's just been kind of just busy and stuff. Like, it seems like this summer really got rolling, but now the fall's coming back around. We're going to kind of slow back down, and uh, our birthday's coming up next month, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, It'll be the that's one right. year anniversary. Yeah. So we expect gifts. <laughs> Well, hey, whatever you send us, we'll review it. So. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. I we'll even, gifts anyway. We'll even review the money that you send us if you send us any. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. George Washington, looking mighty fine. Exactly. Give you a descri- <laughs> full description. Somebody needs to put Charlie Bronson on a bill. I think he's done enough for society that he deserves to be on some money. What do you think? I think they should bring the $2 bill back to Canada and put Charles Bronson on it. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah, man. He sounds Canadian. Oh, yeah. Have you ever thought that? Like, he's from Maine, right? But, like, I'm thinking he's, like, so close to the border. (laughs) thinking it was so close to the border, he got, like, a little bit of Canadian swagger. I think that's what it is. Possibly a little Canadian Jimmy swagger to him. Well, if Maine's anything like, um, like Michigan's UP, then he definitely has some Canadian swagger, and that's where it comes from, so... Michigan Upper Peninsula, that's like fucking the backwoods of Kentucky. For Canada kind of thing, yeah, it could be. It's really it's really wildernessy out there, though, it's crazy. Fucking kids yelling in the hallway of my apartment. I'm going to get you, little bastards. <laughs> they're, they're really annoying me. Neighbors' kids screaming all the time. Just hey, to get off topic. You've got an interesting little community there, don't you? Fucking rapes out back, fucking... <laughs> Chicks trying to bottle guys, screaming kids, fucking dope smoking in the basement. Oh, yeah, it's fucking regular fucking jumble. in joking. the basement. Is that where your laundry room and shit is? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, what, you, what are you doing down in the basement? Are you moving bodies or what? <laughs> uh, I ain't going to keep them in my apartment. Exactly. That's how Dahmer got pinched. Come on, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> well, he, I mean, it didn't help that he was melting them in barrels, so. Mm-hmm. Fucking sick fuck. Uh, we're gonna get so, on to some of that stuff though. I, I you know what? I wanna do I wanna do the Dahmer episode and then I wanna do part three. Yeah, and then I wanna do Manson. but I think Manson has to have his whole whole episode too, and I don't even think one episode's gonna be enough, and I think that fuck oh, will be four hours, so you don't can't do fucking two Manson episodes. Manson has enough shit in there to fucking the whole the whole fucking shebang is two you episodes. Ever Manson family already? That's good enough for that fucker, little midget. No, we're talking. So we're gonna talk Manson. We'll do a two parter. You will. I'll let you do Dahmer, and then uh, yeah, I'll do Manson. Even though Manson's not technically a serial killer, I don't care what anybody he's says. That's so. a little weirdo. Ah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so what kind of shit you've been watching lately? I've been getting down with all kinds of shit actually. Um, we rented some stuff recently. I don't remember what we rented, though. It was about a couple weeks ago. I just picked up 2001 Space Odyssey, some Stanley Kubrick goodness, and, uh... Cool. 
Yeah, I picked up that uh, Damnation Alley, actually, which turned out to be fucking awesome for a PG-13. No, it was a PG movie, actually, and it had some tits in it. Well, some Playboy <laughs> magazine tits. Oh, hey, that's all right. <laughs> tits are tits, though. Tits are know? tits. You take them where you get them, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've, been, I've been wanting to see that, actually. Yeah, it's got a um, Dead Reckoning style slash DEFCON 4 you know, war machine, but it's mm-hmm. way, this, this inspired all of those, I would say, you know, um, I'm sure Romero's seen this film because the, the make of this, uh, transport is almost, eh, I want to say almost identical, except, um, Dead Reckoning had, was like two of these things put together, whereas this one's just one that it's very close. It's like a... A souped-up van they had in this, eh? Make it look like a truck. Uh, no, they actually base this off military uh, vehicles and stuff, and this thing actually really worked. There's a featurette on that. I recommend that DVD, man. I think uh, Shout Factory puts it out. I highly recommend it. Um, it's part of the Roger Corman collection at all? I'm sure just... it is. I'm sure it's got to be. I'm thinking that's why they put it out, because it's got to be part of that Roger Corman stuff. It doesn't say Roger Corman over the top, but I think it might be part of that whole package. I'll have to get my grip on that. Here's... Yeah, I've been... Oh, never mind. Go on. Well, an interesting fact about that, I hate to interrupt you, but... Uh... Fucking this dead. film was who made who put out Star Wars because this whoever the studio was they put this out too at the same time and I guess this had a bigger budget than Star Wars. Really? Yeah, exactly. I, what was it? It wasn't Warner Brothers, was it? Ah, fuck, I don't know. Somebody I'm, like either I'm that not or enough to know that much Universal or shit. I don't know either. I don't follow Star Wars as I mean I've seen them and everything and appreciate them to an extent, but. This film's not better than Star Wars, I will, I'll go as far as to say that. But, um, it's good for what it is. It's got Jack Uriahly in it too as well, so. Oh damn, I got the Runkadelic trying to phone me right now. (laughs) The Runk Man. He's looking for some, he's looking for some more help on getting his podcast up. Must be, yeah. I look forward to hearing it. I, I also heard he was doing something with um uh Mr. Parka, and I've seen okay. his reviews online, and that guy's got a fucking humongous collection, I'll tell you that right now. It, it dwar- I'm telling you, man, it dwarfs me in your collection. I'm telling you. You ain't never seen my I've collection. I've seen part of your collection, and I'm <laughs> this motherfucker's got more. I don't know, man. This motherfucker's got to buy, like, 20 DVDs a day for this. I mean, I've seen it, man. His bedroom's, man, like, wall-to-wall, like, all the way to the ceiling shelves. You must live at home still, then. Exactly. That's the only way you can do that. That's the only way you can do that. Yeah, fuck, I kick out almost 2000 bucks a month and just fucking bills and rent, so... Exactly, man. I can't. Aff- well, you know me. You're like, hey, you got to get this and this, and I'm like, hey, if I can't bootleg it, I can't have it. <laughs> yeah, your boys, if you can't steal it, hey, you ain't getting it. Hey, no, I love buying DVDs, and you know, I I only really bootleg garbage that I don't like care to buy or stuff Porno that I can't. Yeah, exactly. I'm not paying for that shit. You know, I don't care to pay for that because I've bought pornos before, like old throwback ones, and they were just VHS rips, and they sold them to me for. These fucking, they put them in the packaging, and they're like, oh, 30 bucks. And I'm like, this is a VHS rep. What do you mean? You were so pissed off, you couldn't even get a hard-on to jerk off to it. Exactly. Just, motherfuckers, rip me off. I thought this was going to be restored. 
I thought Debbie Does Dallas was going to be restored. Yeah. No, I think there's a I think there's a good restoration of that somewhere floating around, but the ones that I've seen weren't good. So cool. Um, yeah, I've been yeah watching some Roger Corman shit too. Like uh, I got that uh, Deathstalker uh, box set, that All Night Marathon with one and two, and like Sorcerer or Barbarian Queen and something else on it. Yeah, I still haven't seen uh, Death Soccer Part 1. I've got Part oh, 2. Bar- Barbarian part- Queen's great, man. It's got Cat Shea in it. Get to see her tits. Really? Oh, yeah. Lots of tits hold in on, it, actually. Hold on. Let me write this down. What is it called? Barbarian Queen. Barbarian Queen. Yeah, it's a good one. I liked it. I'm going to have to track that down. Do you think that's a possible episode? Put something together? Death Stalkers, Barbarian yeah. Queen. It's all the same universe, so I'd be down. Oh, with is that. it? Is Deathstalker like in these in that film no, too? Okay, no, but they're all the same universe, I guess. Barbarian Queen had something to do with the first Deathstalker, and I don't know. It's all intertwined, I guess. Right, and you don't have all the films like that's how I don't it's have Roger Corman shit. So they had to reuse all the same sets and everything, probably for both movies. So oh, shit. that's just. Let's just loosely tie them together. And shit. Right, Deathstalker has scenes from Deathstalker. Deathstalker two has scenes from Deathstalker one, like some of the nudity, the rapes, and shit. Right. Yeah. Could only crazy. afford to pay one chick to get raped, so right. let's just show it twice. You can only afford two horrors, you know. We'll reuse it. Well, that's like um, Lloyd Kaufman with this. Uh, he's got this car crash that he uses over and over and over. You know, with the trauma films. Don't surprise me. Yeah, he's just, yeah, I guess he still hasn't paid it off yet, so. <laughs> or that's what he claims, you know. Fuck, no doubt. <laughs> he had a little Aussie kick last night, too. After watching that Not Quite Hollywood documentary, I had to get my mitts into some Australian films. Yeah, yeah, you're not talking about Ozzy Osbourne, you're talking about some yeah. Ozploitation, huh? Yes, exactly, yes. I was watching, what the fuck did I watch, Road Games? You ever see that? Jamie Lee Curtis, Stacey Keach. No, I've heard a lot about it though. Didn't Buckets that just get a release recently? Um, I hope that not. Out. I hope not because my DVD was going for about a hundred bucks. Oh, there is a DVD. Yeah. It's oh, old, maybe old that's out of print. A- Anchor Bay. Anchor Tony was Bay. trying to get it out of me. But. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. I tried tracking it down, and uh, yeah, I think I found What's that good? it was out of print. So really good, actually. I highly recommend Road Games. But I watched that uh, Mad Max, the first one. Figured what the fuck. Check that out. And uh, Razorback. You ever see that one? That's another great no, one. No, but I keep hearing a lot of about it. Like, I don't know. It, was, it didn't do well at the time. Like, it had a lot of real f- whacked out visuals and shit. It was pretty artsy. I don't know. It's uh, It was way ahead of its time, in my opinion. Great film, though. What, I, I what is it about? Give me a little quick rundown. It's about a, it's about a giant Razorback boar <laughs> that kills people. <laughs> It's kind of a Jaws ripoff. That's it? Oh, it's just a monster movie then? Yeah, but it's got some real, uh, it's, it's really well shot. It's got some real cool visuals and dream sequence and shit in it. So we're not talking Grizzly 2 here then. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. yeah, actually, I want to do a when Nature Attacks episode coming up here with maybe uh, Grizzly and Razorback and something else in there. I got Grizzly too. Didn't I tell you that? I got the... Um... The torrent of it. Well, I want it. You got to burn that. Shit. I know you're dying for it. It's it's terrible. <laughs> Terribly good. Terribly good. Yes, I need to see the. Uh, I need to see the first one. That's uh, William Girdler put that together. Yep. That did Abby. So I need to see that. So. 
I'd almost be down for a Girdler episode too down the road with like a little Abby, Sheba Baby, Animals, Manitou. I ain't got that. I only got four of his films. He, so. he did Sheba. But I have. That's more mainstream. That's that's more of his mainstream. Like that doesn't even feel like a Girdler film to me. But it is. So. Yeah, I'd sooner do like Day of the Animals or Grizzly. Well, Grizzly, Abby, and Manitou maybe. Wasn't fucked up Manitou film. or Day of the Animal? One of those were his Manitou. I think was his last film. He died on location scouting. Location uh, scout, yeah. Yeah, crashed the helicopter, and they must. They obviously had enough for. I wonder if the studio came in and finished that film without him. They would have had I to. Know. I would. I would think if he was location scouting, you know. So he was only thirty something when he died. Did you know that? Yeah, I was. I'm older than he was. Yeah. He I think he was 31 or 32 at the time, so. Good up-and-coming filmmaker taken too soon, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows what he could be in Hollywood now if he would have survived. I mean, he might have been a mover and shaker like fucking Scorsese or someone. You never know. Possibly. Mm, Finally, I got a couple of Blu-rays the other day, too, actually. Oh, did you? Okay, what'd you get? uh, Alien 3 and Alien 4. Just, um, just to complete my alien uh, collection. So, what do you think of uh, what is it? Alien Four is uh, what is that? Uh, Resurrection, right? Alien. Yeah, 4. I haven't what watched you, that one yet. What do you think? Have you seen it before, though? Years ago, I can't remember it. I that's why I have. I couldn't remember these two. That's why I bought them. I've only watched three so far, where they're well, on like the prison planet. Yeah, that so I'll, I'll have is to get by Fincher. Fincher did that one. Yeah, I'll have to get back to you on part four, though, because i got to watch well, that. Well, you know, get back to me, because there's a lot of haters out there on that one, and I, am for one, like the film. I mean, it's not the best. I, I say, you know, Aliens, part two, is the best. And mm-hmm. a lot of people say that. I know a lot of people say that. That's because it is. But um, I want to watch it, because it's got Winona Ryder in it. And I used yeah, to she plays, like, an android in it. It's pretty good. I mean, I will say it's pretty good, and um, I would say it's up there. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I like it better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Resurrection, that is. I mean, if I want if you're going to want to yeah. put them on a list, yeah, I mean, part two and then resurrection, and then I like part three, and then I'd say part one I hate, I like the least, actually. It's too slow for me, you know? I figured $15 Blu-rays, I picked them both up. Would you get them at Wally World? Yes. Yeah, I guess I ain't that cheap, fifteen bucks a piece. But yeah, I just bought two thousand one for ten. So that's all. I'll only buy ten dollar ones, and then I go our, to our shit still goes for a real price here, though. We're not in the big recession like you guys. They got to drop prices in the U.S. Well, there's still fifteen dollar ones. This is how we got it. We've got ten dollar well, Blu-rays. Our, we've our got uh, thirteen dollar ones, and we've got fifteen, and then it goes up to twenty, and then you know newer ones are up to thirty, but. Yeah, ours just, are expensive. I'm just sure it's universal, dude. If you look on the shelves, I'm sure it's. I'm sure you'll find the ten dollar ones, and then they're kind of. You just got to look at the tags and stuff. But I'm sure that uh, 2001 is uh, a Space Odyssey. I'm sure that's ten bucks there at your store too, because that's been ten bucks at our store for probably over a year. Well, I'm waiting. It's the Halloween season's coming up, so uh, Walmart is going to have all their Halloween shit out here soon. Yeah, they might. Then you can have really get special. your grip into some cheap films. Yeah, they might even well, have some get, special stuff put out. You know, well, I got uh, five dollar Blu-rays last year, like uh, My Bloody Valentine, the original, and some Chucky movies and shit for five bucks on Blu-ray. 
so you couldn't beat that. And yeah, like the Dawn of the Dead ultimate set, you get you, you, all that stuff. It seems to come out of the woodwork. This is when you find a lot of the out of print. I shouldn't be telling people this. Yeah, this, is, right. this is where I get all my. Here you go. <laughs> but they ain't no one living around me, so I don't give a fuck. But this is a lot of times warehouses, they'll have shit that just sits there and they blow it out at Halloween. So yeah, you'll find shit that's been out of print sometimes five years. Yeah, I've known this for, for quite a, a couple, few years too. Of as bucks well. You know, Walmart is known for they'll find a whole fucking, uh, the whole whole big old crate of fucking this or that, and they'll roll it in, and I'll be like, I've been looking for this for fucking ever, mm-hmm. and it's five bucks, you know, or some of them were even, they'll mark them even down to three, you know, like um our five dollar bins got a bunch of three dollar DVDs, and see, that's the thing you say, well our recession's doing that. You know, I heard about people down south talking about $3 DVDs two years ago, and I'm like, where? Where? Now I'm seeing them, you know? It doesn't, I don't think it has to do with the recession. I think it just <laughs> has to do with your area. If your area is wealthy and stuff, and there's, you know, it's a lot of people have money and shit, then you'll, Why you're not going to see yeah. it. get five, yeah. Now, if you're in the sticks Simple of fucking economics. Kentucky or something like that, or Tennessee, and everybody's fucking secondhand shopping and, yeah, you're going to see a lot of those $3 deals because nobody's going to pay 5 for it. I see that at my uh, video store, too. I'll go oh, in. Oh, you and... hand me down jean wearing bologna sandwich hey. eating motherfucker. Hey, motherfucker, that's my lifestyle. <laughs> hey, I hey, love I bologna. Ain't... I love I beef ain't... bologna, baby. I bet you do. Beef, 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 beef bologna. <laughs> exactly. Fat yeah, 32s sitting on beef bologna. I got my jean, I got my jean jacket with a couple burn holes in it rocking. I got down at the old gold mine secondhand. Nice. No, that's not really what I'm rocking. <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> you never know. You never know. I haven't worn a jean coat since I was like fucking six. <laughs> I wish I still had one, man. They're fucking boss. I thought they were stupid looking when I grew up, but like now I think they're kind of cool, and I kind of wish I had one. To, so mm-hmm. I know where you're coming from. You know, my old one with my Guns and Roses fucking patch on the back and. Yeah, I think. Oh, you got to have a patch on the back, and you kind of have to make your own. It's kind of can't buy one from a store. You kind of like got to cut it off of a t-shirt. Motherfucker, I was a kid. I bought mine. You know, so, that's so how you really do it, though. You get you get like a t-shirt. You get like a old Black Sabbath t-shirt, and you just take the uh, you know the design thing out and cut it out, and then you hey. patch it onto the jean jacket. I only had two t-shirts growing up. Fuck if I was gonna cut one of them. What were they? Let's hear about it. Put Which on the back one? of my one vest that I owned. <laughs> Which one did shirts you? Shirts Yeah, what were they? Actually, I had a few. I used to have like Iron Maiden, Three Quarter Links, Judas Priest, GNR, mm-hmm. Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer. And they were wearing out like real thin oh, yeah. and shit. Yeah. yeah, nice and thin, mullet grease stains on the back and all that good stuff. Right, exactly. Snot stains on the fucking three-quarter length sleeve. Right, right, right. I can totally see it now. Rocking it hard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess we can bust into these questions, eh? Yeah, man. You got them up. I, I couldn't bring mine up, so, but I'll, I'll be ready to answer anything, though. <laughs> All right. I read them. You answer them. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, the first one we got here, it's on the Yahoo page. It's coming from our homeboy, Dale Roy. He goes on to say, Greets. Dale back once again. First off, thanks to Bat32 for helping me out with some questions recently. He's like, connect a few comments and questions for about the show. He's like, a couple of comments on past shows. First off, I agree with Bat32 with the Linda Blair versus Linnea Quigley debate. Yeah, fuck all yous. <laughs> Linnea Quigley, she's dirty. I like the meat and bones as well as no. 
er, as well. Uh, and no, J-Dog, tits can never be too big, especially <laughs> natural ones. Exactly. Now, it depends how much meat and bone you're putting on this, man. Like, fat chicks, like, yeah, tits can... Now, when the, when the tits are real fat, they can be too big, because pretty soon you get only half tit and half roll. Like, you got to draw a line somewhere, guys. You fucking chubby chasers. You, you know. hater. Yeah, I'm, I'm hating on all you <laughs> fat chick fuckers. <laughs> Damn. But you just the, defended, like, half of the uh, the audience, I think. Well, the internet nerds, that's all we can get is fat chicks. Fuck <laughs> oh, you. lady, shut up. Fuck, it's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. It's telling it how it is. No. <laughs> fat tits can be a little too much. Because, uh, also. Well, a little uh, guy like you get sandwiched with a big woman, you wouldn't know what exactly. to do. Her pussy would probably swallow a little man like you. Oh, yeah, that's probably <laughs> fucked with my knee and tell her it's my cock. Just her off. Oh. <laughs> to be like, yeah, baby, how do you like that? Just like, yeah, yeah. Just get, got my leg bent in half, giving her the old knee action, eh? <laughs> oh, you too much, man. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, anyway, back to the question. I hope Dale like enjoyed that. Anyway, right, exactly. Because uh, I also love the promo at the titty bar thing you guys did for the mutilator po- poster contest. You should do more of these little promos. Totally entertaining. Yeah, that was great. Fuck, we need to do more of that. That yeah, was straight. Talk, was no talk. Skip, no nothing either. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of came up with it on the fly, and like I've done a little bit of acting, and we've watched enough movies that like, we didn't really. We didn't even stop. We just just rolled with it, and like, and then one I take. edited it, and yeah, one take. Right I put some that. sound effects and everything in there, and some found some cool little sleazy stripper music, and or some porno music throw in there, and I'd like to do that again, though. I, it was fun. It was. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice to hear some more feedback on that. I like to, I like getting uh, my back padded for things I've done in the past. Reminds me, like, yeah, that was fun though. Anyway, yeah. He goes on, he's got a question here, preference question, shaved or bush? He's like, for me, it's bush all the way. He's like, I guess uh, that is also why I prefer old school porno to a lot of the newer stuff. He's like, it's uh, also great in old horror movies when you get a lot of natural jugs and bush. So we may as well answer it as we're going. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, yeah, you know what? I remember the, I was a couple episodes back, you were watching Babyface, and um, not to get off topic too much, but it's kind of on that topic. You were saying, well, this is an old throwback, and this girl's got a shaved pussy. Well, why does she have a shaved pussy? Well, because that girl is underage. <laughs> and see, the director was really going, well, she's underage. She's a young girl. She's only 14, 15. I'm going to indicate that with a shaved bush. A little Lolita. Right, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> back, basically back in the 70s, like, if you had a shaved bush, you were like a little kid. I mean, this is what a, this is what pussy hair fucking represents, is that you're mature. You're, uh-huh. you're, you're old enough. So that's, the bigger that's, the bush, the more mature you were? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's the indication, and I think that's why men like shaved bushes, because it's some kind of... Uh, even The woman thing. could be 40 years old, but like it sends the brain a message that, ooh, yeah, she could be 16. <laughs> I suppose she's so, soft titties, fucking scratch marks, and coked out face and pussy that just makes up for it all. That makes her even younger and I mean she could be fucking the thing the pussy could be fucking as wide as a fucking football but you know. Like the Texas tunnel yeah. Hey exactly. throwing a hot dog down the hallway. But she looks young because she got a shaved pussy. See you know that's the whole 
thought behind it. And you got to think like, you know, this has been been pushed on to especially our generation growing up through like the eighties and nineties because that's when it really became prevalent. I think throughout the mid eighties, when you say. I mean, I remember looking at Hustlers and shit in the early 90s when I was real young and shit, like, and they had Shave Bush in there. So, I mean, that's kind of what that kind of indicates. It's kind of been selling America and Canada and the world. Uh, well, I thought that had with, to do with the whole Lysac epidemic that was in the pornos in the early bullshit. 80s. There. That's, that's some pedophile. No, no, it has to do with some fucking pedophile fucking weirdo shit. That's where it comes from. I'm telling you, it comes from wanting a young young girl. A premature girl. That's what it comes from. If you really want to get down to it, so um, preference. I don't really care. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's you know whatever. I don't have a preference, so mm-hmm. I'll take it as I get it. So <laughs> I'm not picky. Shaved, shaved is kind of way I like to go. And if not bush, like a little bit of hair is okay. You get the bush too much, and you get the friction burns on your dick. Get a mouthful when you're trying to chew and stuff, so you can't get you can't get too heavy with the bush. Well, that's the purpose. That's that's experience. what the whole purpose of of it is. If you're going, if you're if you're deep, little bit of deep bush diving. If you're deep diving, Was then like you don't want it. You don't want it bush. What's that? I said like when you're deep diving and there's bush, you can like use it as a napkin to wipe your chin off. Well, yeah, you know, you got a good point there. I never thought of that. <laughs> Yeah, before you come up and wipe your chin off in the bush. There we go. Well, I guess that's, much, that's, a good, that's a good use for it there. Mm. But he goes on, he's got more questions. He's like, J-Dog, he's like, I know you're a huge VHS tape fanatic. He's like, just wondering what you think of a few fellow uh, gorehounds or people in general get a decent rip from a DVD and the tape they bought and then uh, just throw the VHS tapes in the trash. He's like, does uh, that piss you off? And uh, he's like, you know what happens a lot. Yeah, man, that pisses me off. Fuck these fucking guys. And you don't throw that shit away. You give it to the J-Dog. That's what you're supposed to do with them VHS tapes. What if they're all moldy and, like, shit? Because, like, man, I, I live with this. They got mold and shit and cum stains on them. Use your discretion. I don't That's what them. I had to do with a bunch of shit. I moved into this place, and it had mold growing in there and fucking got into the damn VHSs. And uh, basically, I had to throw most of them away. I mean, it was right on the spindle, man. I was like, I ain't putting this in my machine. You know what I mean? That's the way I think about it, at least. That's a little different. That's damaged goods. Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, like, yeah, you find... You just got a box of VHS and you rip them and dub them like I do and then throw them away. Wow. That's just kind of wasteful. Like, at least try to get some money off eBay or something. If they're recorded videos, throw them away. If you record them off TV or something, I'd say that's okay to throw them away. If they're store-bought, and especially if they still have the dust jacket on them, you're fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, I would see if you get some money for them. At least give them away. Somebody out there still got a machine kicking around. But, uh, you know, for me, like, I've dubbed a lot of stuff, and they were pre-recorded stuff, like compilation tapes. Mm-hmm. Most of them I chucked them, dude. I, I don't got the space for it anymore. That's why... Well, that's got no uh, money value to it anyway. Right, so. right. Like, some of these VHS tapes go for upwards of $100 on eBay, so... Yeah, you like... You never really know what kind of gold you're just throwing in the trash. That one I was talking to you about, we were, I was talking about F Hackle Lantern. That thing fucking goes for fifty to one hundred bucks. That's yeah, why I'm, that's hard to find I that want tape. Sixty bucks for it. I the told ca- him, make me a rip. 
Who, did, who wanted for 60 bucks for it? Andy. Well, he oh, he was my... trying to sell that to me? He, he got that thing for cheap as fuck, I heard. Yeah, he, he wants my bit Sledgehammer bit. DVD, or my Sledgehammer VHS I got. That's not worth the trade. Because that they made, how, you said they only made 200 or something of those Sledgehammers. 50 of them, 50, I think. yeah, exactly. Nah, I wouldn't do that, man. But yeah, that's worth. I would say that tape is worth sixty bucks because I've seen <laughs> he did a video and that thing's in mint, dude. Mm-hmm. No, it is nice. Yeah, it's worth sixty bucks. No, I mean, I'm, no doubt. I'm in my trying mind. to save money and shit so I can buy Christmas gifts for people. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, if if you just want to see the movie, I mean, I would just get a rip. It's not. I mean, the VHS. If you just want to look at the quality of the one he's got, it's worth sixty bucks. But. uh as far as the quality of the movie, I don't know. The fucking original VHS was went for eighty bucks, so you know, back in the day. So I guess it's worth sixty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to the question, though. Yeah, Dale, that fucking pisses me off. I want to cut motherfuckers that do that. Fucking, they're they're useless, trash, slime. <laughs> That's my opinion on that. Anyway, this one's for you, buddy. He's like, Bat32, he's like, you talk about 42nd Street Pete all the time. He's like, I checked into him and his radio show a little bit. He seems like a really interesting dude. He's like, how about an episode all about 42nd Street history that includes an interview with Pete? Well, Pete's known to do interviews with other podcasts. Um, and, uh, you know, he's on Skype and stuff, so it's a possibility. He, gave, he also gave me his card. I met him at Wasteland, uh, so it's a very good possibility. Um, we do promote him, um, mm-hmm. and he's a really nice guy too. I mean, when I met him at Wasteland, like I was, because he's got his persona to an extent on the, you know, on the radio show and on his DVDs. I mean, he he's kind of got a sleazebag persona, but he mm-hmm. seems like a really genuinely nice guy and stuff. Kind of kind of like me, like yeah. I come across on like a real fucking sleazebag, but I'm a I'm really a nice guy. Right, and, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know about honest, but, hey, fuck, shut up, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, for real though, um, you know, I, like he gave me a deal on uh DVD too, the one I picked up brand new, it wasn't like it was a used DVD, one of the ones he puts out, he sells that thing for fucking like 25 bucks on his website, you know, and he gave me a deal, so... Um, he seems like a nice guy, so I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely a possibility. We'll get him on the show, um, and we could do a, a 42nd Street show. I think what we'd do is, um, we'd probably do an episode about, um, all the different, uh, uh, theaters that were on the block, um, um, all the peep. You know, the big peep show places too as well. Um, Different we'll probably hookers talk... that work the area and shit. Yeah, and stuff we, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, yeah, we, we'll get into all that kind of stuff, I'm sure, like all of the real sleaze, you know, what, what, what mm-hmm. kind of, what, what could you find, you know, on the street as far as drugs, what kind of diseases were running around. I mean, we'll, we'll cover the whole fucking thing and then we can get some insight, uh, by Pete because I think Pete's been going, had been going to 42nd Street since 1969. 1970, okay, up till the mm-hmm. 80s when he said it was becoming too uh, dangerous as far as... So he was there pretty much for the whole rise and fall of it. Yeah, basically, all all the way till the end and the night. All the good it, stuff. I think it really ended in, everybody says it ended in, I think, the 90s or whenever when Disney took over that whole area. Now all those theaters are Disney theaters, you know? And look yeah. what the shit that's trying to sell. You think... 
You think the exploitation is bad? Well, look at the shit Disney's got fucking hidden in their cartoons and shows. Ten times worse than any of the sex and sleaze that was up on the screen as plain as day. You know, now you've got Disney. Now you got Disney where they try to hire, hide uh, sexual innuendos and shit in their fucking artwork, and it's dude, it's proven. You know, so they say. So, yeah. Well, but anyways, back to this book <clears throat> questions I'm reading. He's like, I know you guys like thriller <laughs> and breaking questions. <laughs> I, li- yeah. I just like, I like the bug, Dale. Yeah. He's like, I know you guys like thriller and breaking point. He's like, have either of you guys seen the old uh, horror, sleaze, porno, rape, and revenge movies, Fiona on Fire and a Dirty Western? Can't say I have. I've heard of a Dirty Western. Um, it's like a porno Western is, is what I've heard, I think, basically, isn't it? Something like that. Uh, well, if you have them, Dale, hook us up. One year anniversary is coming up here for the show, so <laughs> be a nice present for us. We'd review them, too, if you <laughs> no, got definitely. them, so definitely send them on through. And, uh, Matt 32 will even jerk off to them, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, I had this razzing you. Oh, I know. You had to get that one in there, didn't you? Got a razzing. Hey, you found the opportunity. Yeah. Go with it. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we ain't got much on that. Mm. On to the next one. He's like, are either of you guys fans of the Phantasm franchise, or did you ever get into the Subspecies series? Phantasm all the way, man, Jebediah Morningside, fucking, a.k.a. the Tall Man, Reggie Bannister, the Ice Cream Man, you got fucking, yeah, it's just great stuff. Weird little series. Uh, love, love Phantasm. It's definitely like a hallucination dream, yeah, exactly, my favorite is part two, um, yeah, I love Phantasm, so, I really like, um, the last entry, is it Oblivion, I was really Full blown brand. away by that, that was the low, that was a lower budget than the, uh, than the original, the first one, so. Half, half of it's deleted clips from the first one, oh, well, yeah, first three movies, that's why, but it, but they work really well, they, mm-hmm. They kind of intertwine and tell tell the whole story, like how the tall man came to be, and that's you never learn his name until part four. Yeah, when that's right. Find, that's right. And you find out his name was Jebediah Morningside at the well, funeral home. Didn't jazz. they mention his name? No, hold on. Didn't they? I remember. Um, uh, what is his, the kid? Uh, what's his name? Jody. He mm-hmm. was looking at a photograph Michael. and uh, Michael. It was, remember when they were looking at a photograph in that old antique shop and that photograph came alive in the first one? Yeah, yeah. Didn't they say his name then, though, too, I thought? Oh, okay. Not till part four. Well, what was his name then? Because he was the one that owned that, um, that uh, funeral home or whatever. And it was Morningside Funeral Home or whatever, wasn't it? Yeah. So they did mention his name. You you would have. A piece, you would have pieced that much. They never mentioned it. It might have been shown in the background or something. Right. That's how that right. would have worked. Yeah, you'd and have subspecies. Right. I have the first four films, but I've never watched any of them. I just bought a three pack. Is that is that the ones from Full Moon? Full Moon, yeah. Yeah, I just bought a three pack um, with one and three, one through three, and I tried to get into one, but they were. They were different. I'm gonna give them a try. Another try. They vampire movies or what are they? Something like that, isn't it? That's what I thought. I'm, like I said, I've never really watched them though. Yeah, I just Gotta... picked up the three pack uh, a couple months ago when I was. Well, I think I mentioned I was getting a shitload of full moon DVDs out of the five dollar bin. So 
If we got them both, so maybe we can cover a couple of them if if the first two were worth the shit. Cause, uh, yeah, down the road. Test, maybe, yeah. maybe we'll do a full moon show with some trancers and some subspecies. Oh, I love trancers, man. I've got all five of those now. Do you have all the whole series? or There's seven of them, dog. There's seven of them? No, there isn't. There's five. Sure, sure. There's, there's seven of them, I think. Mm, I think you better check your facts on that. I just got the whole series, and there's five of them, and the last one was made in 2005. I just seen a motherfucker showing off a Part 7 VHS recently, so I don't know. VHS? The, the Part 7 would have had to come out, like, last year, because, I mean, the fifth one's from a few years ago. I mean, just a couple years ago, so if they're still releasing stuff on VHS, that's, like, insane. Yeah, I'm not Are sure. Are they? I mean, I wouldn't pa- put it past Full Moon. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me, but... I might have been out to lunch. I might be wrong. Well, I think there's five, but if there's seven, let me know what the other titles are, because I'd love to track them down, so... Okay, yeah, I'll just see. Maybe it was a dream I had. Hard to say. Maybe uh, maybe you had a dream of uh, Full Moon's putting two more titles out, and... Cause Possibly make a premonition. That's how they work. They keep putting them out, man. I'm, they're still releasing uh, fucking Puppet Masters, even though that series is as dead as a doornail, as far as I know. So It's the only thing. Yeah, well, they, people still buy it, though. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, people still buy toilet paper, too. So. Yeah, <laughs> true that. They don't, they don't make, it doesn't mean there's much of a difference between the two. Exactly. They, they both can be used for the same things, I'm sure. <laughs> one's, one's just a little more comfortable than the mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe if they have like a DVD insert or something, that might be a little easier on the ass. DVD insert? There's no such thing as that anymore. That's like gonna have a hard time wiping your ass with a hard plastic case. Then somebody puts out inserts. I think Synapse still does, don't they? Get get the odd one. Those Roger Corman ones still come with little booklets and shit. Those Shout Factory releases they're putting out. Mm. Those oh. are really good. People get out there and fucking buy that stuff. Like what, I've got. Does the Blu-rays every... come with an insert? Because I've never even gotten Not a Blu-ray Blu-rays, other than the regular DVDs. I've got every single one of them so far. I've How got come the Blu-rays whole... doesn't come, don't come with inserts? Because the only one I've ever gotten with an insert was the um, Taxi Driver Special Edition. The rest of them I've never gotten. I just picked up 2001. That didn't come with an insert either, and I thought it would. Fuck the final. Blu-rays are cheap, smaller cases. I don't know. Maybe they're all. Just printed in one size. Be too much work to downscale them and print them again. I don't know. They've got a little slot there for them, though. So. Yeah, hard to say. But anyway, he winds it up. He says, I have more questions, but I'll save them for future episodes. He's like, thanks a ton for the great uh, Exploited Cinema show, boys. You are truly, or no, he's like, you two are truly greasy sleaze and horror diehards. And a Canadian reference for me, the J-Dog. He calls me the relic of the underground horror exploitation scene. Cheers, Dalroy. If anyone wants to know who Relic is, that's a dude with the rolled up toque from the Beachcombers, surly old fucker. That's me, I'm Relic. The sleazy guy. Beachcombers? What the fuck is that? It's Canadian TV. Motherfucker, you ain't never heard of Molly's you Reef? Beachcombers and all this shit? Molly's fucker. what? Reef? Yeah, that's where that the, sounds familiar. That's where, it's where it was filmed. My dad was just there. And, Within the last couple, of I've years heard of that place before, but uh, I've never heard of Beachcombers. Do you have the series? I mean, no. you could send me some of these. I mean, I'm be, I'm be willing to watch some of this stuff. I, I don't just, I, I don't have any of it. I just remember watching it when I was a kid. Like, it, is it from the know, 80s like, or something? Yeah. yeah, like there were loggers and stuff. Like you know, like the log the log boat guys and stuff. Yeah. It was like, the Beachcomber setting and 
really nice. I think it was shot in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm I'm the relic of the underground horror scene. So fuck. Well, that's off. a character from the show, then. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a compliment, actually. Sweet. Always <laughs> roll my toque up like that, and I always call it the relic look and shit. So yeah, that suits me good because I'm very I'm very familiar with relic. He's kind of one of my idols. Maybe Fucking that's it. why he made the connection there. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. Fired, huh? All right, yeah. that's it for that question. Uh, we got one on the Facebook page as well, though. It's from our boy, Will Wallace. He goes on to say, Hey, guys, I'm about a half hour into your latest episode, and already I can't help but praise it. Hilarious, dudes. Definitely making my Sunday. He goes on to say, Anyways, uh, me and some mates are finally going uh, to film this slasher short film script I wrote a few years ago. It's called Welcome to Cannibal Country. And come to think of it, uh, if we ever see it finished, I'll send you guys a copy. It's like the reason I mention it is because I wanted to, I wanted to know what your favorite, uh, no budget horror films, the ones that I like a lot, or fuck, I'm stuttering, the ones that did a lot with a little. There we go. And on a side note, I finally gripped a copy of Deadbeat at Dawn. It's gonna be a greasy day. Peace out. Yes it is, sir. Yes it is. <laughs> no budget horror films. Well, oh, and I wanted to say I like the title. Uh, oh yeah, Welcome to his to yeah, that's an awesome title. Though. It's pretty solid, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, Sledgehammer, I like that. It's got no budget. Mutilator is another great one with no budget. Yeah, Mutilator didn't really have a big budget, but they were able to get like some big names on the effects, weren't they? Um, yeah, it was pretty didn't much. Showstrom all... work on that film actually. I can't remember. He worked on Evil Dead too and shit. I heard that like he had came on and worked a little bit on that film actually. Maybe that's a rumor, but I think All he I had a few was... big names on that fucker actually. I don't know how the fuck he did it, but it was pretty much just his money too. And yeah, exactly. He was doing the editing, the sound scores, everything. Um, I like uh, Night of the Demons. All right. Um. No, I don't really get into get off into a lot of low budget stuff. I mean, is he talking about like really like, like sixteen really millimeter like Deadbeat at Dawn kind of stuff? I mean, yeah, like really low budget like fucking slasher films and stuff. Like, see, low budget like shot on video, really low like budget. Stuff like Memorial Valley Massacre. Yeah, that doesn't go together. I've seen it, but it doesn't go together well. So <laughs> I've seen some good ones like. Uh... Camp Blood's okay, no budget, Memorial Valley Massacre, like, uh, pretty much all that shit that come out in the 80s didn't have any budget, like, mm. I'm sure Night- Nightmare in a Damaged Brain didn't have a budget worth the shit. Like, well, somehow all... they, somehow they must have thrown Savini up grand or something to lure him or had a fucking, uh, ball they, of they, or they, something. They phoned him one day and asked him a question and put his no, name on No, they didn't. The There's a fuck. picture. No, that's bullshit, dude. There's a picture I... of him swinging the axe and shit on yeah, set. I know that. I'm just uh, fucking uh, saying that shit. Motherfucker, I'm not trying to debate. What did they, what did they say on the DVD about that whole situation? Did they, cause I've seen a color photo of that too. I mean, not, I haven't got into the extras, so. Oh, jeez. Yeah, well. They, I mean, they had a budget. I'm sure they had a budget. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really put that, I mean, you're talking about movies that are like $10,000 or less, right? You know, basically, um, there's not a lot of good ones out there. Most of them are crap. Um, it's pretty much impossible to shoot a film on film for less than 
50,000. Uh, I'm positive about that, so. I mean, I think even Jim spent at least 100,000 to 200,000 on Deadbeat at Dawn, dude. You know, like, you don't really realize. I've heard him comment and he says, well, it wasn't that low of a budget. It just looked like it, you know? House on Dead End Street. There you go. Yeah, House on Dead End Street was. Yeah, you Budget right. all went to math, so. Yeah, there's, a right. ten, there's, there's a $10,000 budget. And that was only, a, he said there was only, he only used a thousand. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. There's, there's a micro budget film. That's, That's probably one of the exceptions. Sledgehammer, too. Sledgehammer. I haven't was seen made Sledgehammer yet. Well, you got a copy of it coming to you. No, that shot on video, though, you said, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, with nothing, with just friends and, like, the, the gas to go out there is probably what cost them the most money. Yeah, that's what killed me when I worked on my little film, <laughs> Gas. <laughs> Were you huffing too much of it or what? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Just trying to pay for it. <laughs> well, I guess that's yeah, it awesome. for the questions, though. What, huffing gas? Yeah, write a script, huffing gas. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We talked about the huffers on another episode. Yeah, we did. We t- Well, it was about huffing, you, huffing ether and with a you're, spotter. You're, and you were promoting it and stuff, yeah. With hey, I was not promoting. I just you were said saying only, only, do huff, it. only huff if you have a spotter. Yeah, exactly. I remember. Fuck, I almost same died thing with laughing. that. Uh, same thing with that. Uh, what's that other shit too? You need a spotter for. Um, oh, if you're doing the David Carradine. Yeah, David Carradine. You need a spotter. That erotic yeah. asphyxiation. Yeah, that stuff's dangerous by yourself, boy. Yeah, well, it's better to do it with a chick instead of jerking off. Have her blow you off or something. Exactly. Then you wouldn't need the whole system, you know. Nah, you could still string your neck and stuff. Just have like you start to twitch out. At least she can undo the rope for you. <laughs> Fuck, right. I don't know. Or you're a vegetable. Yeah, it ain't my bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> vegetable soup. <laughs> Oh, fuck yeah. Well, I guess we're almost ready to roll into a break, though. We've got the questions. We've got the intro wrapped up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get ready to talk some serious Charlie Bronson here right away. Any other... Uh, well, you know what? I have some announcements, but I'm going to save them for the end. Um, there's a couple of Cinema Wastelands coming up, and I want to announce um, who's going to be on that guest list. And there's also a uh, nice convention. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it out to it because money's so tight, but it's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I want to talk about that, too, as well. I think it's Grand Rapids. I'll have to look the, the links up and stuff, but we'll talk about that on the outro because this thing's going a little too long in the intro. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Give us something to talk about at the end. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking, too. Awesome. Roll these fuckers out, then tell them what they listening to if they don't already know. Well, you're listening to the greasiest podcast on the internet. Yes, yes, exploited cinema. Enjoy it, or I'm gonna slap your mom. Enjoy a typical afternoon in New York City. Who is it? Chris's man. My name is Paul Kersey. How's my wife? I'm sorry. She died a few minutes ago, Mr. Kersey. Any chance of catching these men? There's a chance, sure. Just a chance. I'd be less than honest if I gave you more hope, Mr. Kersey. This is Paul Kersey. This is the story of a man who decided to clean up the most violent town in the world. I said, turn around. Give me the money. 
He begins where all the super cops leave off. Bugging has gone down by how much, sir? 950 a week to 470 you reported last week. You understand not so many people know that. And uh, you want to keep it that way, huh? Oh, no, we have to keep it that way, Inspector. This whole city would explode. And if this person is listening to my voice, I urge him in the name of law and order to desist from this one-man crusade and turn himself into the police. Let's see the money, man. Call him a mad vigilante. Call him a hero. Either way, he's always on target. We want you to get out of New York. Permanently. Never make a death wish. Because a death wish always comes true. And you get to love it. Everybody knows when 42nd Street Pete is in the house, anything goes. At the grindhouse. Turn John, doesn't it, you little maggot? Yeah. Every Saturday night. Mm. 9 p.m. Central. Mm. 10 p.m. EST. If you want to be a party animal, you have to learn to live in the jungle. This is my grindhouse. 42nd Street Pete. Death Wish from 1974. Uh, Michael Winner directed it. Starring Winner with it, yeah. Fuck yeah, big, big time movie in the 70s. Um, yeah, starring of course the boss Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. Was this the film that uh, kind of put him over, like as far as like um, a list go to kind of guy for lead? Is this the one that started it or what? Yeah, well, he was a lot of the work he did in the early seventies and stuff. Remember, he was doing movies over in France, and mm-hmm. he's doing a lot of European shit, like Stranger Behind the Door, and uh, was that that was that movie with Perkins he did, and then there was Cold Sweat and all that other shit that he did over in Italy and wherever else. So he was a star in Europe before he was a star here, then. Yeah. yeah. Well, he did. Yeah, because I think he did some American movies, went over, made his name big overseas and then came back well he'd done a lot and of then, american yeah, it was films right. before then too as well oh yeah 
Nothing yeah, really that's what seemed I mean. to take he, off he, he, for him until he got... He really made his name over in Europe, and then he came back, and he was kind of... He was more sought-after actor by this time. There, can't remember there was someone else that they fucking wanted to put in this role. I can't remember who it was, though. Hmm. Would have been interesting to know who, who would have fit the bill here. I don't... I don't know. I mean, it seems like the character was written for him because, I mean... Was it Clint Eastwood, maybe? Uh, Clint Eastwood would have been terrible for the... See, you know, the thing with Charlie is, is Charlie has this interesting ability. He's an actor, but, like, he doesn't show too much. And, like, even in his personal life, he's, like, not... Like, this isn't a guy that, like, like would let you see him cry. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? And, like, he yeah. shows on screen and throughout all of his characters, so... His characters are a lot, like, a lot of them are the same in the sense, like, um, that he doesn't show much emotion within these characters. And I don't think it has to do with anything with his acting ability. I think it has to do with the man himself. It's just the whole uh, persona he gives off. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the age he grew up in. You, you shed a mm-hmm. tear and motherfuckers go, that's weak. You know what I mean? You're, that's a weakness. So I need to show weakness tough. within these characters. He got sent to school wearing a dress back when he was a kid. So yeah, he was a tough man. You don't show weakness exactly. So and I've noticed that that's a trait with all of his characters, and it, and it has nothing to do with the acting. That's straight from him. That's real. That's the real Charles Bronson on the screen right there. So. Real Charlie. That's the real Charlie. The real McCoy. So I guess we can get into the plot. Um, the film opens on uh, Paul Kersey and his wife. Paul Kersey, of course, played by Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. He's taking some fetish photos of his wife down at the beach, eh? Well, they're vacationing. She's got her, <laughs> uh, you know, she's got her little bikini thing on, which is not really that skimpy or whatever. I'd know? take her down. She was, a, she's, yeah, she looked good. She's an old cougar. So well, they kind of Bronson's looking all ripped up too, with mm-hmm. fucking with his little speedos and shit. Yeah, right, exactly. And they share like an intimate moment. Um, this this scene is basically to build characters. Uh, yeah. Well, he was trying to tailor down on the beach. He was yeah, slip, yeah, he, he was, was trying to slip it in yeah, there. Yeah, he had some slick lines and stuff, very similar. You know, I don't know. We we did the uh, uh, Heston episode last, and I don't know. We're doing the the old man, the old man ass kickers kind of thing because he's kind of got the same attitude as. Uh, Heston does, you know, and, and the old school shit kickers. Exactly. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that was awesome when he's trying to fuck her down on the beach. And she's like, no, let's go back to the room. And he's like, how come? Because we're civilized or something, she says. <laughs> right, something like that. So, well, they, yeah, like I said, this whole scene really does stand to build sympathy for uh, the soon to be victim. Uh, mm-hmm. So we jump back to New York, and um, we learn that Paul is an architect, and, uh, you know, he works in the city and stuff. And uh, on returning to the office, a co-worker tells him uh, about the influx of murders in, like, the past week or two since he's been gone on his vacation. And uh, Paul feels that uh, crime is caused by, you know, the poverty rate, and uh, mm. he almost kind of sympathizes with well, He's kind of criminals. a bleeding heart at this yeah. point in the movie, like he's... Uh... He's still like what would be left wing or whatever, or liberal, liberal yeah, minded. Yeah, and he's shit. really far left, and uh, he yeah he would be the type of person that would think that the criminals are out there doing crimes simply for the poverty rate because they have to man because they have to and, and they're not really and they're not really trying to rob me so to speak they're trying to rob the the um, corporations and stuff yeah, that are take made the man them, down yeah take the man down the one that's made you basically poor so. Mm-hmm. 
Um, meanwhile, did, did you, oh, sorry, I was oh, just go gonna ahead. cut in. Yeah. Did you notice, like, when he went to his apartment there, uh, was that the same uh, doorman from the Mandom commercials? It's like, I good think e- it is, dude. Good evening, Mr. Bronson. <laughs> no, dude, that is the Mandom guy. Oh, man. They, you think that they did these Mandom commercials while he was filming? Um, films Very possibly, because it looks like the same front of the building and stuff. Well, you know, that one Mandom commercial tries to do the whole, old, you know, the old West thing, you know, and him shooting mm-hmm. the gun, and like, a lot of them are homages to his films, you know? Yeah, so I like the way he fucking spins around and throws his shirt up in the air, like, ole. You know what I bet you they did? I bet you they used that scene right there from, from Death Wish, because, I mean, overseas, you can get away with whatever you want, and, I mean, yeah. shit, Charlie Bronson's in your commercial, you're paying him, he's not going to be getting you know, bitching. Yeah. I was yeah. like, hey, that's... Is that the doorman? I bet you they just dubbed that over. Good evening, Mr. Bronson. I think they just dubbed that over or something. I bet you they used that clip straight from Death Witch. Interesting catch, though. I I like that. That's great. Yeah, I noticed that anyway. (laughs) But go on, sorry. Yeah, so meanwhile, um, basically, Charlie... Charlie's wife uh, and daughter, they're um, at the grocery store, and they're followed home by three thugs led by Jeff Goldblum. Fuck, he's a sleazy-looking fucker. Yeah, man. Just that shit-eating grin he's got. I just want to slap that motherfucker. He's such a slimeball. He's such a rat bastard in this Mm -hmm. movie, and um, he's so fucking good. And, um, you know, I'm I'm one that I like his dry, that whole dry... Um, and you know how he talks, you know, it's just that yeah. I just love that attitude. And, um, this film really shows you why he's an A-lister. I mean, I know he's doing fucking, uh, what's he doing? Like, um, one of these cop shows or something, Law and Order or something now, or one of those CSI or he's something. He's got range, man. Like the fucking guy's got a lot of range as an actor. Well, you like, know, a lot, of, a lot of his early roles were as scumbags like this and St. Ives mm-hmm. and shit like that. Interesting little thing is, um, I don't know, uh, in part two, you've got Lawrence Fishburne, mm-hmm. and he's kind of the, I don't know, he's, I don't know if he's so much the leader of that little gang, but he kind of seems like the leader of that gang. But interesting thing, interesting thing about these two actors is they ended up going and doing a movie called Deep Cover. That's great. I really love it. And, um, if anybody out there hasn't seen it, check it out. Jeff Goldblum, Lawrence Fishburne. It's a drug crime movie. Not to get off topic, I know we do, but yeah. I just had to make this point because these guys were both in Death Wish films, one you know, one after the other, and they and were both in the same kind of character role. That's why I got to point it out. So. And then they went on to have like really successful careers too. Like it was just kind of like a kickstart point for them it was the Death Wish franchise. Exactly, exactly. And then them coming together to do a movie together, such as Deep Cover. I mean, there's no it's like full circle. Yeah, yeah it's full circle, but. Yeah, check that movie out. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's a great uh, movie. Lawrence Fishburne goes undercover and shit. It's, that's basically what it's about, deep cover, so I recommend I it. I think I've seen it before. I can't remember. But, the, you know, these just two gen- – I mean, it's just – look where the where these two genius actors kind of start out, you know, with the Charlie Bronson Death Wish films, you know, so. Playing just, fucking scum. Yeah, that just shows you, like, um, you know, Jar- Charles Bronson does have an effect and did have an effect on the industry to an extent, you know what I mean? Because some great actors throughout the 80s and 90s and 70s even worked with him, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Carl Weathers. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Carl Weathers. <laughs> we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Sundog himself. Yeah. So yeah, basically, rape and savagery are on these like three thugs' mind though. At this point, in the trio they sneak. Uh, 
Will they follow the two ladies back? Or, well, no, they get the address off the groceries yeah, the grocery. that are going to be delivered. Yeah. And so they go and they, they head over to the house and they end up sneaking in through the back and, uh, mm-hmm. basically. Some moving guys are bringing some shit in or something and they just rush in behind them and, yeah, come up through the back door more or less. Mm-hmm. Sneak on in and, uh, yeah, once, uh, they, well, they get up to the door and they knock on the door and say, well, the, we're the delivery guys that are delivering the groceries, so. Yeah. I love the look on fucking Goldblum's face as he's standing outside. He's just got this big evil looking Joker right. grin on his face. Like I can't believe this is working. It's it's gonna be so good. And once we get inside, you know. Yeah. And he just embodies the sleaze bag, like you said. He's just so greasy. I mean, his hair's even like it looks like he didn't fucking shower for like five days just to get yeah, in. It looks like he used fucking Pam for hairspray. Don't yeah. you love that hat he's wearing? Isn't that the hat? The same hat that, like, the characters in the Archie comics are wearing. It's like Jughead would sport. <laughs> Dude, that's, like, that's so wrong on so many levels because, like, Archie's supposed to be wholesome and shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's just, it's like a sick <clears throat> comedy almost, you know? I love the lines they get, they have once they get inside the apartment. But go on. Anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, once inside, they, yeah, they basically proceed to graffiti and, like, fuck everything in sight like i guess but that's some that up they don't actually rape anything eh, well i mean it's implied like i mean come in and they fucking smack well at first they want money and when they get 725 or something so fucking well they gold they, they, t- they tell her like fucking you're gonna get the shit beat out of you mother and well gold has her. uh the daughter carol there suck his dick but you know, I bet well, you they were they, a simulated. I don't think she actually sucked the dick though. Like they molested her, spray painted her ass, and we we're gonna get some blowjob from her. But the mom went for the phone. I like before when Goldblum's like whacking her across the face with the blackjack. I kill rich cunts like you. Mm-hmm. And the bald guy grabs the daughter, and he's like, "I'm gonna fuck you. I'm gonna stuff it up your ass." He's telling her like some pretty rank lines or. You, you know, spray, I just spray. have this feeling that there was simulated sex scene shot and they cut them yeah, right, to get the R rating. So you're saying it, they don't actually? It's it's like they try to get it. I have always took it from it. She was never actually raped. She was roughed up and molested a bit, but right, right, didn't have to smoke, smoke no pole or nothing. Yeah, I don't know. There was, I don't know, my cut, I don't know what cut you've got. Are you watching a VHS cut? Because the cut I've got, he actually like, whips it out, but you don't see it. Oh, yeah, he's standing in there her with face his and in front of her face. It's implied, dude, come on, it's implied that she, he made her suck his dick. I, mean, I don't they think couldn't he had show. time to force it in her mouth. Well, I don't, I'm just saying, I don't know if he got <laughs> yeah. off, but I, I definitely think it was dangled and placed in her mouth. I mean... Close, might have rubbed her lips with it or something anyway. We'll never know. It was never shot that way. So. <laughs> True. I'm going to go with the sense that she was definitely uh, sexually uh, assaulted oh, okay. with a cock. So. I'll, I'll say she's seen one anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I bet she really did see Gold, uh, fucking Goldblum's cock. <laughs> Come on, Goldblum. We're not going to show it. Come on, this, really? is how you beco- this is how you become a fucking movie star, Goldblum. You want to be a fucking movie star? Fucking <laughs> Jewish cock, yeah. Yeah. So, Inch and a half. It was probably foreskin. So yeah, like uh, <laughs> no, he's circumcised. He's Jewish. That's right. Yeah, exactly. You don't he's uncircumcised. That would be against his religion. <laughs> yeah. So the three take off, and uh, 
Yeah, because like I don't know, you you thought they took off because well, she was the, going for the phone, and they're she like, was going, going for, the, for the phone, so they eh, ran out. I think they just, they, I think fuck, let's just split this scene. I think they were, I think they just felt like they were at the house too long. Well, that's what I mean. Like yeah. after, after she made an attempt to get the phone, it kind of brought them out of the whole fucking let's get some ass trance, and it's like, well, fuck yeah, we better split. Like yeah. we've been, we're making a lot of noise. Like let's get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. The hell with raping her. We got our seven twenty five. Let's just fucking split. Yeah, this is all they got was like seven or eight bucks. But yeah, uh, yeah that's what really pissed them off because they came for the money. Uh, they thought they were rich, yeah. Where's all the money, mother? <laughs> you yeah. rich cunts. So Paul, uh, yeah, he gets a call at uh, the office, and um, he rushes to the hospital, and uh, he meets up with like uh, his son-in-law Jack. here, right? Yeah, Jack, his son-in-law there. And he uh, fills him in on what happened, and uh, Paul learns um, when the doctor comes up that his wife has basically died, and the daughter has survived, but she's like... Uh, Catatonia. Yeah, as, as, uh, what's his face, uh, was it Paul, Polly from the Rocky, like he would say, vegetable soup. <laughs> like, like on Blood Beach there. Yeah. Vegetable soup. So to speak, yeah. I mean, basically, uh, yeah, her brain hasn't been able to process all of the, uh, data. Well, Jack even goes to say later in the movie, like, Jesus Christ, she's like pretty much a goddamn vegetable, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's because of the trauma and stuff. Her mind is not Still willing to process yeah. what's going on, so like it basically just shuts you off from everything. Like, I'm sure, like I'm sure she knows what everybody's saying. She just hasn't doesn't have anything to say. You know? Yeah. So um, yeah, so we get the funeral, the wife's funeral in the snow, and um, this is uh, this this scene is visually Nicely shot. stunning. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Is this is visually stunning? I would love to see this in HD. Is the Blu-ray out um, to this? I'm not sure. Beginning of the movie was really nice too when they got back and they were going through the cab and the shots in New York City in mm-hmm. the fall and stuff. That was really nice too. Yeah, this Just is to a, this is a beautiful looking film, and there's another scene. Um, Cinematography one definitely guy, was solid. Well, you remember when that one guy shot, the first mugger he shot down by the water? I know we're jumping ahead, but we're not jumping ahead too much. But it's snowing then, too, and uh, I think these scenes would look great in HD. I, the DVD I got's that Bare Bones one with um, Charlie with the praying with the gun, you know, kind of to his yeah. forehead. Same I, same one I have. And that, it looks all right, but, man, it could look, I know it could look ten fucking times better, dude. It looks like shit. <laughs> what do you think of the transfer? I was kind of noticing that too when I watched it that the transfer wasn't that shit hot. I mean, even a DVD transfer could look better than that. I mean, I'm saying that ain't even like the full potential that I think. I think they could just that's probably uh, an early that's an release. Old, that, that's an old DVD, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that motherfucker's been out 15 years. Yeah, years. exactly. Paul realizes. Um, Basically, uh, after the funeral and everything, he realizes, um, after he goes down to the police station to kind of see how the case is coming along, um, he, yeah, like, he basically realizes that the chances of the thugs being brought to justice is, like, slim. Slim and none, yeah, like, the guy says, well, yeah, we might catch him, but... Yeah, Paul, poor Paul, he's fucking expecting him to, like, pretty much have the fucking case solved already, and... Exactly. It's kind of funny. You can see that, like the, like the fall of his character. Like at the beginning, he's all pretty, like I said, left wing liberal, 
bleeding heart and you could just see his fucking faith and humanity and justice start to fade like right after this like he pretty much is told like yeah well they're probably not nothing's ever going to happen to this like fuck may as well just forget it more or less that's what i took from it anyway well i think at this point he, he did he definitely gave up on the you know the guys ever being brought to justice um so and that's not he what this movie's got a more cynical this, attitude. This movie's not about him bringing these guys to justice. Like that's not what this is about whatsoever. And I realize that. Remember, I said I like the I like part two better because he actually like gets, he gets the, guys. the guys. Yeah. And that's not what this is about. This is about the birth of um of uh, uh the vigilante. I mean, so to speak, that whole concept and that lifestyle. It's about Bronson growing balls and stuff like. Well, I didn't think he was a pussy. What, well, no, so I'm not to speak, a pussy either. It's kind of a but. kind of a reemergence of his balls. He's getting his balls back, I guess you could say. Yeah, he has I a guess. war vet. He is a war vet and shit, but he'd been leading a pretty mellow life. Oh, until... he was a war vet, but he was a uh, met worked with the med unit. Yeah. He was a conscientious objector. Uh, we well, we learned that. Let me get into that. He uh, basically he um is uh is I guess. The, whoever he's doing architecture for, whatever the company is, they set him up with a, uh, a vacation, but a business trip all wrapped up in one to Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, they send him to Arizona to go see Ames there. Yeah. On a, check out his ranch that he's going to develop. Yeah, he's a developer, and he's a fat. He kind of reminds you of a Texas uh, car salesman or oil man, mm-hmm. so to speak. And uh, while there... Um, Paul, he gets uh he gets a look at the countryside and uh the scenery um kind of changes his head around I think to to an extent because uh you know yeah they he just went to vacation and where were they Bali or something like that him and his wife yeah but this is different <laughs> this was this is definitely different after the death of his wife and all this crazy shit kind of like, clear his head yeah. Yeah, he was able to get out here into some space, you know. Well, he gets back in touch with guns here too when Ames takes him to the range. Well, he well, let's not forget about the scene. He uh, he watches an old west gunfight. Oh yes, that, that was great too. And that's what really I think that's what lights his fire. It uh, seems to um, he sees the bad guys fucking like fucking lynching the sheriff and shit and then how the sheriff overcomes it all and they, the good guy wins at the end and shit yeah yeah and it's so fucking hokey but he's like you know that this is like seriously like to an extent this is where i'm saying like this is you get a, a little bit of real charlie bronson here like only someone like charlie would be in would have been entertained by that lousy fucking reenactment <laughs> Well, I yeah, thought it you know, was, it was I'd be great. entertained too. Oh man, that that was so terrible. Those guys are just lip syncing the thing that was coming off the fucking loudspeaker. <laughs> Come on, that was terrible. But hey, you know, yeah, it, it. It, it lit the it, it lit the fire. So um, yeah, he goes to the gun club with the with this guy, and uh, he uh, he he goes down to the shooting range and he starts with a 1842 percussion pistol and this is something mm-hmm. I've seen these before and these things will kick your fucking arm back and he, he what did he what does the guy say there uh, aims he says uh careful that fucking thing will go up through the roof or something like that yeah. it's got a kick to it though Charlie uh his first shot he hits it point blank yeah bullseye yeah and, uh, you know, the developer guy, he's just kind of like, you know, what the fuck? Yeah, how the hell you do that? Well, 
we come to find out Charlie was basically, uh, or Paul was raised with uh, guns till his father was killed. Uh, what she tells the story, what I was mistaken killed? for a deer. Yeah. Something, yeah, that's mistaken crazy. for a deer in a hunting accident. And he yes, also then he took his mom's side, never touched the gun ever since. Mm, yeah, and this is also where we get the stuff about his military history and stuff like that. So he's been definitely trained with guns his whole life. And so Paul, yeah, he's not a stranger to him. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh sorry, I was just saying he's no stranger to guns, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So Paul returns to New York to find that his daughter is uh, basically back in the hospital. She's kind of had a relapse with um, her whole progress, I guess she was making, and uh, vegetable goes, soup. Vegetable <laughs> soup, exactly. So he uh, pays her a visit and. Um, this scene uh, seems to push him even further to the edge, I think, just seeing her in her state and everything. And uh, mm-hmm. he goes back to the house, and he opens... Uh, well, he got a gift from this, the developer fella. He gave him a gift, and um, he hadn't opened it, so he gets back to the house, and uh, he opens it up and finds it's like a six-shooter, Old West-style pistol, huh? Uh, a little. It was a little nickel thirty-two revolver, is what it was. It was like a Saturday night special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't a Western gun, though. Well, it was a six-shooter. Yeah, well, it was a Saturday night special from, like, the 40s or whatever, yeah. Right, right, but it was it was kind of, I think, I think it was kind of um, a gift because of that yeah. whole uh, shootout scene with the Old West, and it kind of inspired him, I guess. That was, that was the real inspiration there. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I guess that's what I took from it, so... Um, but yeah, so he opens it up and he sees what it is and everything. And this kind of basically, uh, begins the, uh, whole vigilante crusade or the concept. And, um, so we jump to the first thug, uh, uh, with a pistol basically trying to rob him. Um, mm-hmm. what was this near the water or whatever? You were saying he was down on the waterfront, but yeah, he had the roll of quarters then, didn't he? That he'd gotten from the bank and two rolls of quarters in the sock. I don't think he had the gun yet. Well, he already had the gun. In the in the scene we're talking about, it. he goes and gets those quarters, and he um he's like freaking out in his apartment, and he's like swinging the fucking shit around, and then he beats it into a chair and busts it all over the place. But he already had the gun. This was when he returned. that was after he right. got home, and he was he was all feeling solid after he grabbed a bunch of fucking whiskey and slammed it in himself. Because remember, he was all shaken and oh yeah, that's because that one oh I forgot to mention. Well, he was, um, you know, you're talking about an earlier scene. This is, I think this is before he left town or something. Remember that guy yeah, tried to get him with the, uh, jump him from bucking behind with a knife and he punched him in the face and just like the guy took off and was like, damn. And he goes back in the apartment and, uh, yeah, he gets that whole fucking glass of whiskey and just like he's all shaking and shit like a fiend. Yeah, that was when he whacked that guy with the roll of quarters there, yeah. He didn't hit him with he the quarters. He never hit him with the quarters, sure actually. Did. No, he hit him with the quarters. Oh, he, he had him, him in his qu- fist. I just watched it. Is that what you're saying? He had he him had, in his fist. Oh. He, he had the quarters wrapped up, and he spun around and whacked him across the head with them. He used them like a little sling, kind of. Oh, I didn't realize. Wrapped, well, I just watched like, it. Short, short wrapped on his hand. Well, yeah, he had it short it like wrapped on his hand. It was, oh, okay. Okay, I see. I was going to say, I just watched it a week ago, and I could have... Yeah, I just watched it about two hours ago. Okay. It was with the quarters. All right. Sorry, a little little quarter debate here going on. Well, we totally jumped over that anyway. I totally forgot about that whole scenario, and you're like, well, wait a minute, that quarter thing. I'm like, well, where did that fit into? Uh, Yeah, I 
I thought I thought that was pretty significant to the plot. So, well, why did you think that it was, was it significant? Was, was that the start of the uh, the whole uh, spirit of the vigilantism? It was his first. Yeah, it was his first venture outside, and he wanted to see what was going on. Now, because remember, he seen those fucking punks run by and rob that car out his window of his apartment, and mm-hmm. next he went and got yeah. that roll of quarters, and he wanted to go see what would happen if. Yeah, no, I just thought that was like the whole. Yeah, it was kind of like his whole first step. Like, let's see what happens. Let's go test out the waters, kind of thing. Okay, that's what I figured from it. All right, well, I guess this would be the. He doesn't kill that thug though, but I guess this would be the first thug that he actually fucking wipes off the planet. Yeah. Uh, this guy, yeah, he's kind of like stalking him from up on the up on the bank through the woods, and yeah, uh, Paul, he's walking along the the water side, and. Uh, this guy comes down and basically uh, puts a pistol to Paul and says, uh, you know, give me your fucking money. And uh, Paul calmly turns and uh, blasts him, like, right in the fucking, what was it, right in the chest? Shoots him right in the guts, I think, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a gut shot, but, like, then the cops later are saying, like, they're, um... yeah, that's what it looked like, a gut shot. But when the cops get there, they say it was a shot to the chest. Oh, okay. And then so I changed it around. I was like, well, maybe I'm mistaken it, but he grabbed for his gut, and I even like was like, that's a gut shot. That's like the one of the most painful fucking places you can get blasted. Like, and you see how he was fucking flipping around and shit. Like it was mm-hmm. excruciating. So, yeah. all right. Well, well, he gets shot in the gut, but the cops. Well, the only thing worse would be getting a buckwheat, get shot up the ass. Well. That, doesn't that happen to that one guy in that, uh, is it the uh, Spit on Your Grave remake? Doesn't he get shot up the ass at the end of that? Get shot in the dick. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the remake. Yeah, yeah. in the remake, he gets shot up the ass, yeah. So, it's mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> Off yeah, topic. <laughs> so, yeah, the police, uh, they start to investigate uh, now heavily in... Uh, Next, uh, Charlie, he comes upon, uh, three muggers in an alleyway, and, uh, one by one, Paul, you know, blows, uh, all three of them away without hesitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are all random guys. These are not the guys that unleash this fury upon his, his wife and his daughter. He's just kind of like, this is going on. I'm not going to let this happen to anybody else by anybody of these other thugs. I'm going to start wiping the fucking streets clean of this filth, you know? Hey, he's just shooting the first people that come up and try to fuck with them, really. Yeah, basically. This is very similar to, um, I know Miss 45 kind of copied this, but, uh, that's what Miss mm-hmm. 45's all about. It ain't about the one, anybody that got him. She goes so fucking crazy. She's like, I mean, she's killing guys that aren't even like, fucking really after like that's all nutty mm-hmm. she goes in that one you know yeah she should have been chasing abel ferrara he was one of the guys that raped her <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um we jump to the daughter uh, carol she's committed to uh, basically an institution run by nuns I guess it's a catholic yeah, institution vegetable soup Paul ponders why uh, society, when faced with fear, runs and hides every time he asks his son-in-law this. And what happened? What happened to the pioneer spirit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Basically, uh, the cops got it down. They're trying to say, and this is interesting. I love this. I don't. I I know I said I wasn't going to get any more political context, but this, oh, here we go. Again. This is so true in it today too. This, I mean, this happens every time. 
I understand why they're saying this is this is so, but um, basically you hear the cops, they're talking, and they say basically their suspect is a returning veteran from Vietnam because of his accuracy. And the mm-hmm. only thing I got to get off on today is that now they're saying terrorists, number one suspect, returning veterans from war. This yeah. is what the government says. I mean, this, and so this is, this is, was true in the 70s, and Wait, it's true they're, now. They're that a little loose true. in the head when they come back. <laughs> oh, yeah, from a fucking war that you sent them in, that the government sent them into? Come on. They made the, they're making these war machines. They're making these people. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's like, you want to point the finger at the fucking product of your own, uh, creation, you know? It's like, it's like that one Metallica song. I can't remember which one it is. It's talking about, like, fucking brought up to kill and war machines well, look and shit. At, I mean, I hate to get off, but, I mean, it was about the Vietnam veterans. It was like, okay, you you were shipped in, these, these units were shipped into cities and towns and said, do whatever you have to do to get control. So you go in, and they kill a bunch of fucking children, and then you show them on the news, and then the fucking vets come back, and this is orders from the government, not personal soldiers and their fucking uh, fantasies or whatever. These are ordered soldiers, ordered by their government to go in and kill all of these people. They say, go in and kill the whole fucking village. They don't say, spare the women and children. They say, kill the whole fucking village. Mm-hmm. Do it or you're fucking court-martialed, right? So, but when they come back... Yeah, and flame they fucking, the village. And then they come back from war, and then all these fucking protesters are spitting and throwing shit at them, saying baby killers. So they're, they're, they're the ones to take the brunt of of you know the backlash from the war you know what i mean they're they're the blame they're the ones that take all the heat and they were blamed vietnam veterans so you know this is this right here rings true in this film i mean what they're talking about are real social things that are happening that's we're being blamed for shit that they didn't even do they said well this guy fucking did it because he's got precision and knowledge and stuff and this guy wasn't even in the fucking area but he just lives in the area where a murder happened I mean, they were, these, a lot of these vets were, they would take, um, I mean, if they were looking for a murderer, a vet would take the fucking fall for it, because they need to find a fall guy. Yeah. A lot of serial killers are fucking, or vets, like Arthur Shawcross and all that, so yeah. that's your point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, just something I want to get off into. I won't get off into anymore, but then we, uh, we jumped to, um, a couple of muggers in a subway, and uh, basically, uh, is this the one? I think these are the guys that are trying to get him when he's sitting reading the newspaper, and he he blows them away through the newspaper. Huh? Yeah, yeah, on the subway there, a guy comes mm-hmm. up and cuts the paper and gets blasted yep. for his fucking trouble. Exactly, and um, you know, it's perfect the way he does it because he knows these guys are out here. He knows these guys are going to do this kind of stuff. And he just sets himself up for it. Okay, well, if you're going to be the one to approach me, you're going to die tonight, you know? Mm-hmm. So exactly. I, just, I love it, you know? It's great. And, um, you know, these guys, he didn't, you know, if these guys would have just fucking fucked with somebody else and left, they would have never lost their lives. It wasn't even that they fucked with him. They could have fucked with an old lady or something and walked off and survived. No, it was that they fucked with him, yeah. So the cops basically dub Paul uh, basically the vigilante murderer, huh? Mm-hmm. 
And they've managed to match, like, all the slugs to one pistol. A vigilante killer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. next... All 32s, yeah. Yeah, all 32s, yeah. So next to you, uh, we get, a like, a couple muggers, uh, and they try to rob Paul while he waits for his subway, again, down on the subway. And he kills one and wounds the other, um, but, like, in the midst of all this, like, what is one of the muggers stabs him or cuts him and stuff? Yeah, yeah, he gives him a little cut, yeah. And I guess the guy, like, actually, the guy, the mugger that gets away, he uh, he gets up to the top, he ends up bleeding to death or whatever, but before he gives the police a statement, I cut that mother. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, so now they're, look, now they're looking for uh, a guy that's cut, like, checking hospitals and shit, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Paul doesn't, he doesn't go into a hospital or whatever, he just goes and fucking takes care of it at home and opens yeah. a shut case. Uh, but like a real man should. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, basically Paul's work begins uh, to inspire other citizens to fight against the muggers, huh? Like, uh, you see like an old lady on TV, like beats mm-hmm. one of them yeah. off with like a, what was it, a stick or something? Yeah, he beat him off with something there, her purse or whatever, I can't remember. Then you got the construction workers that stopped that mugging and kicked the fuck out of that guy and broke his arms and his jaw and his ribs and everything mm-hmm. poor fellow must have fell <laughs> exactly. yeah, classy stuff so yeah the, the city's getting feeling the vigilante spirit well um the police meanwhile are have compiled like a list of uh, 14 suspects and uh paul seems to be on that list so um they basically begin to look directly at paul and they um start to watch his house or his apartment and stuff and uh detective uh frank achoa is uh mm-hmm. kind of brought onto the case and he sneaks into uh yeah. paul's apartment and fucker. yeah he starts poking around and he finds uh bloody bandages and vigilante clippings and shit yeah well no he didn't find clippings he just found like, or the magazine and... yeah he found whole newspapers yeah. um yes yeah, not something Man, to directly shit. point the finger at Paul, but you know he's he's definitely suspicious. Mm-hmm. So raising suspicion, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this convinces him that uh, Paul may very well be the guy. So, but the police don't want him to be caught because, I mean, basically he's too popular with the people. It isn't that. See, because. You know, this is, I mean, whether you like it or not, this is a social commentary on New York, too. And, I mean, like, Frank Serpico, I mean, he's stated many a times, like, that on average, most precincts, 80% of the cops were on the take, okay? Mm-hmm. He said in his precinct, he knew for sure every one of the cops in his precinct, 100%, were on the take. So these guys didn't just they want they they didn't want to take him out because he's too popular with the people but they want him to stop because he jeopardizes their business. I mean, do you think most of these cops are living lavish lifestyles from the paycheck that they get? No. No. You know. Well, they don't want another mar- they don't want a martyr on their hands either. Right. And it's all kinds of political it's shit for why they want to just kind of all right, we don't want to kill him, but we want to get rid of him, you know. So mm-hmm. basically, yeah, the police, they're just like, all right, let's just scare this guy off. And um, at one point, the police try to shake Paul down on the street saying, oh, we mistaken you for a different guy. No, it was just send him a message. 
Because uh, Ochoa calls him on the phone before this, too, and says, you know, just fucking quit. We know we're watching you, buddy. You know, kind yeah. of things. Trying to spook him, intimidate him. But uh, this doesn't seem to work. And, um, you know, they even try to watch his house. Paul slips out the back and to some more dirty work of death. Because he, he is death, in a sense. You know, it's all these mm-hmm. dirty muggers out there. He's like... He doesn't have um, uh, a sigh in his hand. He has a fucking pistol, <laughs> you know. But he's the yeah. same thing. He's the figure. He's he's death, you know. So Paul retrieves his pistol from his office. This is where he stuck it because he thinks the cops are going to be searching his house and stuff. And uh, yeah, he hid it mm-hmm. at the office. And uh, he run. Paul runs into these two muggers on the stairs. And he's trapped, and he looks up the stairs, and then another mugger comes along, because now he's got three of them. He shoots two, and uh, he chases the third. Uh, he gets the other man, but takes, uh, like, one in the back, huh? Like, one of the guys was down yeah. there, but he wasn't dead. He thought he killed two, but one of them was, I think he was still alive or something. I was kind of confused. Uh, I've only seen Death Wish probably six or seven times, so... Yeah, he ends up taking a bullet anyway, yeah. Yeah, nonetheless, yeah, he takes a bullet in the back and, um, yeah, kind of fucks him up. I was going to say, I love when he finally catches the guy. He's fucking eyeballing him and he tells him, draw. <laughs> that guy's looking at him like, huh? <laughs> right, because it, it, it leads back to that whole Western shootout. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, it brings a full circle. Full showdown. But Bronson, he didn't have enough energy. He just collapsed after he <laughs> delivered those lines. Right, he collapsed. Good thing the guy didn't draw on him; he would have lost. And uh, yeah, Paul is taken to the hospital. Uh, there, Detective Ochoa pays him a visit. Uh, he tells Paul uh, basically to drop the vigilante thing, and that you know if he does, nothing will come of it. And the pistol that he get out of New York City, like fuck off, more or less. He's telling him. Well, he's got a piss. He he's found the pistol. Get out of town. We see another scene. A cop brings him brings a Cho with a pistol and says, "I found this." He said, "I didn't tell anybody else about it." He said, "Good, forget all about it. I'll contact yeah. you later." And yeah, he yeah. basically sets a deal up with Paul. Hit the fucking road, and we'll forget all about this because like you were doing a good thing, kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, he brought home like they were saying muggings and rapes and shit were just down like crazy. Whoa, crazy amounts. Yeah, like Ochoa, I mean, he seems like a decent cop. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, like Ochoa, he's not like a crooked cop. He seems like a decent cop. He's, he seems like a guy that sometimes has to do dirty work for these police chiefs once in a while, but for the most part, he's a good guy and he sees Paul as... He sees the gray area. Right, exactly. Like he's not black and white. He'll, he'll work at in the gray areas if he has to to get things done he won't break laws and shit but he'll bend them to his advantage like he works with what he has is what i got out of him well he's what like he's I mean, willing to do the right thing but he's willing to bend the law to do it maybe you've heard of this before there's such a thing as like there's a police officer and there's a policeman and a police officer is like by the book he's corporate you know what i mean he works for a corporation the corporation of america and then you've got a policeman He's like your local law enforcement that, you know what I mean? He does things to natural law extent. He doesn't always follow everything by the book. If he catches kids drinking, he'll be like, you know, he'll drive them home, drop them off, but he won't make a police report out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm that way at work to a point. Like, I'm I'm not a robo-cop or nothing either. I like to, yeah, 
I'll work with guys if I have to. Try to settle things if we, the, the the proper way. Without having to write it anyway, up or topic. do something like that, yeah. But you know guys that do shit on the yeah, book, with, you know. Without having to be an asshole. Oh, right, no, exactly. Sure. <clears throat> so, but, um, I mean, that pretty much sums up the film. He, uh, basically, the end of it, he, um... Rolls into an airport in Chicago and he sees some fucking thugs fucking with this girl and he, they, she drops her stuff and he helps her pick him up and then he points and looks at him and he's pointing at him with his gun, like his finger in a, as like a gun and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's I'll a great catch ending. You little cats later. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll find you later. Mm-hmm. Thing. And that's kind of the, yeah, that kind of sums well, up. Well, no, great film. film fucking whatever. classic Bronson. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was, uh, you know, this last viewing really, I mean, it, it definitely opened my eye up to it again. And I'm like, damn, because this is, I mean, de- the first Death Wish is the reason I got into the whole, I mean, it's not like a series where I saw part three before part, no, I saw part one first, you know. Um, I just thought part two for years was better because he got full circle revenge. But now after seeing this, um, like I said this last time. It's kind of opened my eye up to that's not really what that film was about. It was about, like I said, the birth of of um, a spirit, you know, to an extent, and that's the spirit of vigilanteism. Mm-hmm. The dropping of his balls. <laughs> right, <laughs> what you called it, right, the, the yeah. ball drop. <clears throat> yeah. So we're both right. It's the same thing, you know. It's it's all the same thing in just different contexts. So. Yeah, exactly. But I know you highly recommend this film, I'm sure of it. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. Ask, do I? <laughs> yeah, this gets like a nine and a half uh, in my book. I think it's probably even a ten. Like, I don't know if it can get much better. It's fucking classic Bronson. Yeah, and I mean, you got all the sleazy. I mean, you got Goldblum mm-hmm. and his gang and stuff. You got all the sleazy points of an exploitation film to an extent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in a sense, this isn't an exploitation film because there is a point to it. You know what I mean? And most exploitation films are exploitation films because they're just nonsense. They're just a bunch of craziness for the sake of being crazy. You know? Yeah. It was a real gritty fucking, uh, really depicted the whole, uh, everything that was going on in New York City at the time with their high crime rate and everything. Like back then it was scared to leave the house. You didn't go walking around night and shit because it almost was that bad in the city at that time. Oh, yeah, like Detroit City in the 80s. <laughs> it was just loose. It was like the Wild West in the, in, in the mid-70s in New right. York and the bigger bigger cities in the U.S. back then. So, yeah, you recommend this as well? Oh, fuck yeah. I love this movie. It's great. Um, I wish there was. I wish they'd shot more on 42nd Street. I don't know if they did or not. I don't think they did. I wish they would have shot some scenes on 42nd Street, like had him actually take out fucking scum on right there in the heart of the sin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that would have made sense if I was him. I would have went straight. Possibly to hard to get a street. permit to shoot there. This this film wasn't guerrillish. Oh uh, well, so yeah, you're sure right. They had permits and everything yeah, for shoot shoots. So the crew would have felt the need to get permits, but they could have probably just went to 42nd Street and just shot. I think yeah. that the crew was probably would have feared for their lives that was why they didn't go there (laughs) like this wasn't maniac and they weren't running from the cops between shoots and stuff like that so well nightmare and a damaged brain was shot there in the heart of the fucking crack age in the eight Mm -hmm. you know the early 80s i mean those guys had some balls i mean for real because they could have easily been killed (laughs) yeah well this Ah. is a 
this was a more professional production, though. Well, shit, Taxi Driver you know, was done on 40 Second Street. Taxi Driver was done on 42nd Street, and that was a decent budget. I mean, that was a Hollywood picture. Tech. I mean, it was independent, but it was still a Hollywood-funded film, just like Death Wish. Shit, I think it came out the uh, same year. I think 74, isn't that when Taxi Driver came out? I could have sworn 74 or 76. So. I can't remember. Yeah. Not too, not too sure. But yeah, highly recommend it if you can find it, which I'm sure you can. It's, I think there's a four pack, didn't you say, that out there floating around? Yeah, it's got, well, it's got parts two, three, and four in it. Well, Part one, I got it. Oh, off note, Taxi Driver was 76, by the way. Yeah, I thought it was either 74 or 76. Just on an off, off note there. Yeah. But no, it's easy to find. It's not hard, hard to find. Yeah, I think I got mine out of the $5 bin at Walmart, but I don't think it's in there anymore. But I'm sure you could get it at uh, just about anywhere, secondhand or something. You can order it offline probably for 3 bucks. I'm sure of it. Probably pay more for shipping. <laughs> probably. Yeah. So, but yep, check it out. You want to roll mm-hmm. us out, Jay Grease? Yeah. I guess that rounds up the. Oh yeah, sorry, I was trying to, but you cut me off, motherfucker. <laughs> I think we're on a delay <laughs> anyways, now. Yeah. But anyways, before things get too whack, you're listening to Exploited Cinema. Do you still believe in horror, exploitation, sleaze, and cheese? And all that goes with it? If so, come check out Behind the Mask Podcast. And if you don't believe, we'll make you believe. Behindthemaskpodcast.blogspot.com It happened once before. Some muggers followed my wife and daughter home from the market. It's about to happen again. The police there got a very good description of the muggers, too. But it didn't do any good. We do what we can. And so does he. This is your daughter, Mr. Kersey. Kersey. Is that Carol? When murder and rape are the crimes... Bronson is the only punishment. Charles Bronson, Death Wish 2. There's something else you should know, sir. Paul Kersey now lives in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. Now you tell me there's a vigilante out there. You believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. Well, you're going to meet him. He killed nine people in New York City four years ago. The people he killed were mothers. He became a hero. What did he look like? He was... Uh, he was a very good citizen, that's what he was. That guy saved our lives, damn it. Where the hell were you guys? Giving out parking tickets? When violence rules the city. When the police can't stop it. One man will. His way. Watch out! Charles.
Charles Bronson. Goodbye. Death Wish 2. He's doing it for you. Welcome back, folks. Uh, this is the second half of Obscure, and we're jumping into Death Wish 2 from 1982. Mm-hmm. We're running on signal number two. Yeah. Or, or different signals, so if you notice a change in quality, it's because, well... We're on auxiliary we're on two, yeah. Yeah, we're on the WAC. It's the whack one, but... Anyway, I just thought we'd, I'd throw that in just in case people are wondering, hey, what the fuck? Like, I noticed a change in quality, and they're hitting their computers or something like that. No, it just it sounds like a classic episode is what it sounds like. A classic throwback. throwback. <laughs> exactly. Fucking the shitty ones. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There are some shitty episodes out there, but not by us though. I know. I've heard a few other sh- few, few other shows I can testify to that though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um I guess what what can, why did this come about, you think, like the sequel? Because um, it's kind of a remake, isn't it? Don't you think? Not, well, not really. It's just got a lot of the same elements. It's, I don't know, money? <laughs> was, this, was this one of the, was this the first one Canon got their fingers into? Uh, Canon didn't produce the, uh, the first one? I don't think so, no. Okay. It might have been. I, I thought it was like around three or four. Or, I didn't know how that that kind of came about. I didn't know if they were financers or because didn't kind of MGM the put it out? Didn't MGM put it out originally? Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pr- yeah, it was produced by Canon Films. This one, yeah. So yeah, they probably just bought the rights to the Death Wish franchise and fucking r- right on. Like that's pound them out. So that's got, why that this one came Charlie's, about. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I guess you could say it is kind of a retelling of the story. Like, uh, not just Char Bronson. He's in what Los Angeles this time. Mm-hmm. And he's well, he's re- retreated from uh, New York. The cops well, told he him was to staying fuck, in, fuck off. And well, he was staying in back. Chicago for a while at the end, and they do talk at the end of part that. one. Yeah, yeah. So he was there, and I think he went from Chicago to L.A. Yeah, they mention it somewhere in this movie about how there is vigilante crimes in Chicago and stuff, too. Yeah, there's a missing uh, Death Wish film in there somewhere. <laughs> Death Wish prequel. You know, that'd be a, that'd be an awesome... They could do it as a graphic novel, a little, little homage to Charlie himself, you know? Be awesome. So I guess I'll jump into be about the plot. The only, that'd be about the only thing you could do with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What, um, what this film... Um, this yeah, like you said, it, it's in L.A. We open on L.A. Um, basically, Paul is relocated to start a new life. He's um, working for a company doing architecture again, as usual. And he has a new girlfriend. Uh, what's her name? Jerry. Yeah, played by his real wife this time. Yep, Jill Ireland, and um, which uh, I've heard a lot of people say that they thought she was. She thought they thought that she's a terrible actress and whatnot, but I don't believe so. I don't think she's great, but she's decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's all right. You know, she's kind of like a sidekick to Charlie in a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a bad piece of ass for the old man, anyway. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so we also see Carol. Uh, she hasn't made any progress since the first film. It's basically been two years. Vegetable um, soup. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, Polly, take it easy. Hey, forget about it. Like vegetable soup. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, they take her out on the town. Um, I don't know why she doesn't know. I don't. You think she really knows what's going on, or this? She doesn't really attribute um, complete catatonia because like. I've seen like she didn't get around. She's just fucking all fucked up. Like yeah, she's she just doesn't out, like Charlie's gonna buy her ice cream. He's gonna buy her gift off the table, and she and she's comprehending things. She just fucking scared little rabbit in her in her shell still. Well, you know, I thought it was kind of like the um, <laughs> Christina Lindbergh syndrome and um, you know thriller kind of thing when she, when she was raped as a child and then she became a mute. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing, I guess. So. Yeah, true. But yeah, as you said, Charlie, he's gonna get her some ice cream and, uh, uh, basically a gang of five thugs. I don't know, if, <laughs> like, it's, I, I always thought it was led by Lawrence Fishburne, but I don't know. I don't think this gang's really led by anybody. I think they just do whatever. Yeah, you got, well, you got Larry Fishburne. He's kind, kind of somewhat calls the shots, but you got, like, the black guy that likes to rape everything, too. He seems to have a little bit of pull. Yeah, they all yeah, have their own equal pole, you're right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these guys come up and they end up uh, rushing up towards him and past him or whatever, and they, I don't know, they shove him or something, and then uh, Paul, he kind of is like, what the fuck, but then realizes that his wallet's been stolen. Yeah. And uh, he starts chasing the guys down, and uh, he chases one of the guys down and asks him for his wallet, and the guy says, uh, you know, he ain't got it. And I think Paul even gives him the old shakedown. Yep, and, uh, him down, whacks him around a bit. Yeah, lets him take off, and uh, then then Paul walks back to the girls and says, yeah, I guess I left my wallet at home. Real slick, yeah. you know, as usual. Didn't have to borrow me some money. <laughs> <laughs> so um, from here, the three go uh, sailing. Meanwhile, these uh, five thugs basically decide to go to Paul's house because he's got, you know, they got his driver's license, so they know exactly where he lives. Mm-hmm. So, poor uh, Rosetta, she's making something to eat, eh? Yeah, yeah, she's getting the good old Mexicana cooking going on, you know. And um, so, yeah, uh, they basically come into the house uh, with uh, fury, as did... Um, Jeff Goldblum's gang in the previous film. And they basically proceed to rape and torment the housekeeper, huh? I think, yeah, they give it to her real good. Not like in the first one, they don't hold back in this one. Yeah, Be- yeah. Beat the shit out of her, everyone takes a turn. Like, it was pretty sleazy. Yeah, the scenes are extremely graphic, and um, it seems like they p- paint a pretty repulsive picture. And um, this brings up another point, and I'm going to play this interview. If I, it, it's probably going to be after this segment. Um, there's a small interview, like a 10 minute interview that the BBC did with uh, Michael Winner. And um, the BBC. Yeah, they 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 tore they tried to tear him apart, but he held his own. Like he is he's a Brit actually. I don't know if you know that or not. He is British. Yeah. So I didn't know that. I've never seen any interviews with the man. Um, maybe I'd seen some written interviews. So you I couldn't tell by the way he talks. I talk like I'm British, mate. No, well, I never, I've never, I've never, I've never heard a commentary or anything with him. So I, I wasn't. Okay. Yeah, I never even seen him before. So, um, yeah, they kind of tried to tear him apart on it, saying, you know, almost <clears throat> that uh, the violence was. Um, they couldn't take it to the point to show the actual insertion, obviously. Like, this one woman's like, well, that's not how a rape goes down and whatnot, and you didn't even show insertion. So 
by that standard, um, it's actually glorifying it. Well, that's that's the BBC's fault because the and and every other fucking country that insists on cutting films if they don't if they don't hold back. Well, I mean. Well, the BBC saying that it was, I mean, and I'll play the interview, of course, but the BBC is basically saying that by not showing insertion that you're promoting this almost, and it's just insane thinking, you know what I mean, for the most part. I don't think, I think this, I think he took it perfectly to the right standards as far as a rape scene should go for us, a uh, big budget film like this, because this scene is repulsive, and anybody that thinks that this is a glorification or is aroused or anything by the scene is fucking sick in their head, man. Like, this is a repulsive scene. It makes you sick to your stomach, doesn't it? I was going to say, I had my fucking... <laughs> 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 stuff when I watched... No, Lord. I'm just kidding. Lord agrees, you, you fuck. <laughs> the fuck the BBC. But you know no, what it's... I'm saying. You, you, you feel where I'm coming from? They're trying to to uh, uh, basically shit on the film because he didn't show the graphic insertion, but if he had done the and showed the graphic insertion, then they'd be coming down on him even harder, you know? You can't, can't have it both ways. Watch Sex Wish if you want to see graphic insertions. We were going to talk about that one, but I couldn't get you the copy in time. Maybe the ne- maybe when we cover uh, Death Wish 3 and 4 or something, we'll throw Sex Wish in there. Maybe we'll have a porno parody show or something. Yeah, that'd be fucking awesome. Moving back into the plot, like, yeah, each one of these guys takes a turn on the housekeeper. Meanwhile, Paul and his daughter return to the house uh, while the men are basically still there. Uh, Took a turn on Paul, too, didn't they? Yeah, Paul... (laughs) (laughs) Whooping him down, yeah. Paul tries to fight him, but uh, he gets stomped out. Like, literally stomped out, I would say. Yeah, he got the he got his shit kicked out of him. Yeah, and uh, the housekeeper she tries to crawl to the phone and call the police, and they smash her in the face with the crowbar, basically killing her instantly. I would say. Yeah, and then they grab the daughter for like a little snack for later. Mm-hmm. And take out. her back to the hideout. Yep. So they're, they're like, "Quick, we got to finger her before she fingers us or something." They said, and they got her out of there. <laughs> no, is that what they said? <laughs> no, oh, no, they're like. Take the chick before she can finger us, they said. Or she, she, you know, she can finger us. But I'm sure they had ideas to finger her, so. I'm just being sleazy, what are you gonna do? Well, they do get her back to the, uh, yeah, they get her back to the, uh, hideout, and, uh, it's just like a sleazy warehouse, and, like, in the backdrop, you've got, like, a old, um, advertisement for Pat's Blue Ribbon. I'm sure Pat's Blue Ribbon appreciated that they're, they're, Brew was being promoted during a rape scene, so I don't know what that says about PBR, but... No, whatever, fuck, man's got a drink no matter what he's doing. (laughs) Rape gets you just just as thirsty as a day of work, like, what the fuck? I knew you were going to say something like that. (laughs) I'm starting to get predictable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Moving on. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) So, yeah, so they pull a rape job on her, and uh, basically being traumatized from the first rape, uh, this basically sends Carol over the edge, literally, and she jumps through a window and is impaled on a, I don't know, railing or whatever down below. That was one, well, it was, uh, 
one of them fences, one of them old school, like cemetery almost like fences with the spikes on them. Right, right. That so, was a badass scene, actually. Yeah, that good. was probably one of the better better scenes, I guess. But uh, it's still pretty, pretty, pretty sleazy, pretty, pretty disgusting. You know, well, that's why it was good. Well, you know, I, it just brings me back to how the BBC could ever even point a finger at Michael Winter for trying to glorify anything in this whole film because this is. It's like, yeah, this is what happens when all this stuff happens. Look at the domino effect is what he's trying to show. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mad sleazy shit going on. So the police show up and investigate what happened. Uh, While there, um, he learns about his daughter's death or whatever. I think, do the police come and tell him? I can't remember. They asked him to come and identify the body or whatever, I think, right? Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please let him know. So, yeah, he, he comes down and sees her body, and uh, they, they're they asking Paul if, like, he'd seen these uh, these thugs or whatever, and, like, he can't quite remember uh, what they look like, huh? So, yeah, like, yeah, like you were saying, he was playing super square, like, fucking, I didn't see nothing, I can't remember who it was, like, fucking, they hit me from behind. Like, you know what, you know what he has in his head, though, you know what he's thinking. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to let the cops on, he don't want to tell them too much. Gonna cut into his action. Yeah, and basically he uh, immediately, like later on, I, I don't know, jumps to a few more scenes, but he pretty much gets right to business and goes out mm-hmm. to hunt for the scum. Goes and digs his old pistol out of a different gun. This time he's got a semi-automatic. He goes and gets it out of a shoebox and then well, he's ready to rock and roll. He wasn't able to keep that last gun, um, detective. I'm sure, he had to throw it. In. Well, yeah, didn't yeah. the cop take it? Yeah. Yeah, he told me he's gonna drop it in the river. That's right. So it's somewhere in the Hudson River or whatever. But uh, he goes out and uh, buys some secondhand clothes mm-hmm. for his dirty work, too. He Gets rents himself a little sugar shack for hookers and to hide out in. Yeah, he, re- he rents a little home base uh, in, a sl- in the slummy area. So, like, he can pretty much go in there, change, get his piece, and it looks like he lives there, you know what I mean, in the area, so... So, um, yeah, and this is so nothing basically connects him back to his, like, real life either, trying to live his dual uh, lifestyle here. Yeah, he's a little more planned out this time than in the first one. He's fucking got experience now, so he knows what tricks to do. Well, one thing I do want to point out here, um, Paul lives a, a psychopath's lifestyle or a serial killer's lifestyle, actually, because, um... You know, he because of the dual lifestyle, um, a lot of guys like uh, Dahmer and Bundy, they they all did this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Keep their home life separate. Well, Dahmer not so much. <laughs> but yeah, Dahmer. Well, Dahmer just had it good like that to where he, he didn't live with anybody and he could just have the whole run of it. But Ted did here occasionally. He had girlfriend and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Ted had so. old ladies and stuff. Yeah, and he, he and he didn't do. I mean, he did freaky shit with them, but like. He didn't to- so much try to bring him into that lifestyle, and that's what I see Paul doing here too. Is he goes out and does some fucking pretty, pretty wicked shit out on the streets, but doesn't try to bring him back to the home. You know, yeah. and tries to keep don't it hidden get, from his girl. So don't get confused, Ted Bundy and fucking Charles Bronson. Though, come on, man, this is Paul Kersey's cleaning the streets up of crime. Oh you know, yeah, he's he, co-eds and well, he's kind of like uh. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like Dexter to an extent. He's a serial killer, but he's taking out the trash, so to speak. You know. There you go. So yeah, no, I, I'm not getting it mixed up. But he's still, but he's still a psychopath, nonetheless. 
you're just ch- you're just talking about what his target is. He's still yeah. what he is. You know, he's a killer. So I just like Bronson so much. I'm like, let's compare him <laughs> to someone different. Like Bundy's a little too sleazy to be compared. Well, yeah, to Bu- Bundy's one of the ones that wants to take that kind of. Okay, he's got this. He's got this in him, and he wants to take it to the dark side. Paul Kersey's the type of character that he's got this in him. He wants to take it to the you know the good side. So if there is such a thing, I guess so. Yeah, different sides of the spectrum. So Paul tracks his first man. Uh, the it's it's that ratty looking rodent looking dude. And something else you should mention the thing in this one, he's actually tracking the people that did the shit to him. He's fucking not just getting some random thugs on the street either. Well, I see why he's doing why it's like this because he actually saw these these guys in the last mm-hmm. one. He didn't even see him. And the funny thing I, I forgot to point out, I thought about it after. Um, although we did say he never actually was able to track the guys in, in the first one down, he did pass one of them. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? He passed him in the park. It was when he first started going out and looking for thugs and he passed him, but the guy that. didn't start no shit or anything. So he just kept it moving. So I do remember that, that was, an, I, I totally wanted to mention that and I totally forgot all about it. But. So yeah, um, this other guy here, uh, Charlie, he follows him back to his hangout, and uh, basically uh, Paul catches them in the midst of um, a dope deal. Um, Paul hits some kind of bottle or something, and uh, he startles one of them, and that guy starts shooting. Um, Paul quickly blows him away. He tells the other men to basically kick rocks, and um, here we're... Go ahead. (laughs) You like that? I was just laughing, yeah. That's, that's classic. He does. Beat he's your like, feet. Yeah, he's like, head on out. But you, motherfucker, you're done. To the rat, the rat face looking cat. And, um, this yeah. is, this is where we're treated to probably one of the more classic lines, um, in the Death Wish franchise. And, uh, this is the one where he asks him if he believes in Jesus and whatnot. You believe in Jesus. Because <laughs> you're going to meet him. Yep. Or something like that, eh? Yep. And, uh, he's classy. Pretty much blows the guy away, and uh, we jump to another night of uh, stalk and prey. And uh, this time, uh, four thugs try to mug a couple in a parking garage. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the pug- thugs actually happens to be uh, one of Paul's targets, actually. Joey Rapo there, the fucking mm-hmm. black guy that likes to rape everything. Just on a side note, the chick had nice tits, too, in the parking garage. Mm, yeah, <laughs> good mm-hmm. good, good catch on that one, yes, yes. <laughs> So yeah, Paul comes that in. That was he, that's all I had for notes. <laughs> nice tits, parking garage, parking garage scene. Yep. So yeah, like I said, um, yeah, Paul, he kind of, I don't know, he kind of just runs across this scenario, kind of just by chance. But uh, I think he hears the noise or something and comes to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, and he comes up and he he basically initially smokes two of them, like um, right off the bat, and. Uh, he uh this leads the chase on his des- desired target, uh the brother there, and uh he follows the man into an old building and uh Well Bronson put one in his ass when he was trying to get away, didn't he? Yeah, he did get one shot on him. I don't know if he got him in the ass or if it just grazed him, I'm not I sure. Think was, I think he got him in the ass, yeah. Something like that. So but yeah, Paul gets him in this building across the street and basically shoots the guy right in the forehead and uh again the police uh arrive and they try to id the vigilante but uh the victims are basically like uh playing stupid they don't know what he looked like you know what i mean and 
Yeah, what did he look like? He looked like a good citizen, mm-hmm. one says, eh? He was a fucking eight foot Puerto Rican midget. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so a bunch of bullshit. Um, it seems it's it's like uh, why are you know the question comes up why are the police always distressed uh, when the lo- lone vigilante is loose? Uh, is it is it possibly? And it, it's been you know it was in the first film too. They're always like we got to put him to the stop. You know he's taking out like known gang members and shit and i came up with a theory that you know the cops are the cops are dirty and that's why they don't like him on the streets doing this because they're part of it they're all crooked cops basically (laughs) and it's true man police corruption and i don't know what it's like up there in canada i'm sure it's pretty bad too yeah but they they basically bring uh detective frank ochoa back in and uh He's brought onto the case because they basically think Paul's at it again, and um, they talk about uh, in well, Chicago. Kind of read about it in the papers, and he came to L.A. on his own, like fucking. He comes snooping around on his own. No, 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 no. What what happened was um, the New York uh, detectives are worried about him um, getting caught in L.A. because uh, then it would be known that they uh, let him go before, and then mm. they'd be looking back on him. So the New York. Um, police department there brought him in and said you need to go to la and stop him yourself and um this is where they say whatever you got to do kill him remember that okay yeah yeah la didn't call him in he kind of came up there to fucking on orders from new york yeah because the los angeles police department they didn't know what he was there for they're like what are you doing here and he's like oh i'm on vacation So, yeah, Ochoa, he goes to L.A. and uh, basically to get rid of Paul, some dirty work, some old New York dirty business. Get rid of this guy before he gets us in trouble. Yeah. So, Ochoa pays uh, Paul's girlfriend to visit and tells her of Paul's history. She later confronts Paul about this, but uh, he basically convinces her that none of this stuff was true and that Ochoa is just like a fucking nutcase. He's a crazy old man, yeah. Yeah, because they couldn't catch the man in New York, and they're basically trying to pin it on him, is what he says. So, mm-hmm. um, meanwhile, we jump back to Paul, and he's on the prowl this time, um, tailed by Ochoa. Uh, Paul, um, he basically uh, manages to track uh, three the the last three guys down. And he follows them for a bit. Paul follows them into, um, I guess, like a park. Wouldn't you say, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. The three thugs are buying some guns or whatnot, and um, right here, basically, a gunfight ensues between the thugs and Ochoa and Paul. And like Ochoa's kind of gunning on Paul's side, you know, because he Ochoa knows get, he kind of saved he kind of saved him there. He fucking had to expose himself to give Bronson a heads up, or that guy would have fucking got him. But then he gets sprayed up with the. M16 or whatever, right across the chest, yeah. and uh, gets. Yeah, he, he pretty much give up his own life to save fucking Bronson's. Like fucking, he, he give up his own position to fucking give Bronson the heads up so they didn't shoot him because that one guy had seen him there. Right. Meanwhile, uh, Fishburn he tries to uh, deflect um, the bullets with his boombox, but gets it right <laughs> in that forehead. That was Got like brains coming out his mouth or something. <laughs> yeah, he was all torn up. He didn't get a lot of lines in this movie. I think he deserved a lot more that he didn't get. So, but th- hey, fuck, they made up for it in Boys in the Hood. He got to talk enough in that movie. <laughs> 
His career got better over the years. I think he got more dialogue in Apocalypse Now when he was 15 than he did in that movie. So, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Yeah, that movie too. He got more lines in this one. <laughs> so, totally. That's Larry Fishburne. Mm-hmm. The other brother from the gang gets it. Um, also, uh, I can't remember. I think he just gets a gut shot or something or gets it in the forehead. The gun dealer actually drives over the cliff and uh, blows the car up. Um, one guy basically gets the gets away, and it's the guy who tagged Ochoa with the uh, chopper. And um, do you remember Ochoa? Uh, Paul goes up to Ochoa, and uh, Ochoa get tells him, "Son of a bitch!" No, he says, "Get that motherfucker for me!" Yeah, yeah, that's what he says. <laughs> Kick some ass. We'll have to play that. We'll have to play that little sound clip. As that was great. Is Ochoa's last dying words. It was pretty classy. Mm-hmm. So uh, Paul obtains a police scanner and uh, basically waits for the police to find the last thug. From there, he finds out the thug is um, basically at his apartment building. Paul attempts to take him there. He gets out on the street, and the police grab him um, like the thug. Meanwhile, he fights about forty cops. Yeah, he fights a bunch of cops. Like he's all he's all fucking high on PCP or something, isn't he? Yeah, that, well, that's what he claims later on, but, uh, Paul... Well, fuck, he would have had to have been. They were tasering him, and fucking, he, like, kicked the shit out of about 20 cops there. Well, he cut Paul, too, which, like, yeah. you didn't really notice until later. He cut Paul right there in the, um, scuffle before he get out, got out on the road, so... Yeah. So, yeah, they, um, they basically, um, they, they say that he was high on PCP, so he can't really stand, uh, tr- um, trial right now. So they put him in an asylum to, uh, you know, see if he's if he's really whacked or whatnot, because that's what his defense is. Like, like I can't be held responsible for my actions because I was under the influence of PCP, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, fucked up. Yeah, what Paul finds out from his girlfriend that she knows some guy at the at the uh, mental hospital or whatever, and. He finds a way to get down there, and he steals a, a, a lab coat. And, uh, well, she's a reporter, wasn't or something. She's working in collaboration with this guy or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, well, she gets yeah, she, and then she gets uh, Bronson talks her into like, oh, this sounds cool. Like fucking, take me on a tour. I want to see this. Well, he's all playing it off and stuff. Yeah. So well, he can yeah, get in exactly. to get the fucking lab coat so he can infiltrate so yeah he steals a lab coat and a badge and um he basically goes home and uh he cuts the picture out of the badge of the other guy and then cuts some you know identical uh piece in of him to make like a fake id badge and um goes in and acts like he's a doctor later on that night and um gets the uh Gets the last thug into a room by himself and basically goes in there to fuck him up, but uh, gets uh, gets kind of surprised, huh? The one thug he gets a uh, he gets a hold of a scalpel, doesn't he, and starts putting it to Charlie? Oh yeah, because Bronson fucking fronts as like his doctor coming in to do some late night fucking shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm, but the guy recognizes him too. Yeah, as soon as he's he seen him, the door, he's like, "Oh, you? Okay." Yeah, I'm ready for you, motherfucker. So yeah, and Bronson got shanked up hard, like jail style, about oh, eight yeah, times. Yeah, dude, he got more. He probably got ten times. Yeah, that's like he, that. he got stuck up pretty good. Lucky it was only a scalpel. Yeah, it couldn't go in this deep. I mean, the guy could have if he wanted to really muscle it into him. He could have mm-hmm. got it deeper. But 
Yeah, during the during the scuffle, um, uh, this guy he ends up punching his fist into a um, it was an electroshock machine, and Bronson yep. sees him with his fist in there and throws the switch and just fucking cooks his ass, huh? Yeah, oh fuck yeah, it gives him the whole afro and everything. He's just puffing it, smoke coming out of his ears and shit. It's a great scene. So, yeah, one of the orderlies, he comes in there and he realizes what happened. And he said, I give you five minutes to get the fuck out, you know. Give him about 30 seconds as soon as he gets through the fucking door. Yeah. Fucking the buzzer. But, yeah, needless to say, though, Bronson fucking got the fuck out of there. Got out of Dodge. Yeah, and basically what, what happens, uh, he... He gets back to the house just just right before his uh, his friend his girlfriend shows up for. So well, you get to see all the stab marks too, where he fucking doctors himself up real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got stuck pretty good. But uh, what does he go out to? Ends up they end up going on vacation or something together at the end, or what happens? They're gonna get married or something. Well, they were supposed to be getting married, and uh, she came over to see him, but like he was fucking bleeding and shit still, and. Yeah, didn't like she notice the blood on the floor? Oh yeah, that's right. Where he says, uh, "Come back in a little bit, and we'll go out to eat or whatever, something like that." Like, yeah, and she puts two and two together, and really, she leaves him at the end. Is that what leaves. happened? I couldn't remember. It's it's yeah, been a she, while since she I... leaves. She leaves the wedding ring on the table and fucks off. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. That's why she never shows back up in part three or isn't even mentioned or anything. So like, he doesn't take long to get new ass though. Hey, eh? he's got a new bitch in each movie, even when he's old man. Part five yeah. is the old girl that was in that one. I think was his best catch, huh? Yeah, some fly hose. Yeah, he must be hung. He must have been hung to his knees or something. Well, he was a fucking architect, man. Money. Motherfucking money. That's true. Who can resist a guy that talks like this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's old school. Charles Bronson. <laughs> so. It's definitely old school. But yeah, that's, well, that's about it for the movie. Like, that's pretty much where it ends. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much. It's pretty open ended. I think that they wanted to do a sequel or whatever, and um, they probably anticipated doing something else. So Charlie cleans up the garbage, loses his love interest, on to the next city. Yeah, basically, you know. Um, yeah, that's basically how it goes down on each movie, and I don't know how they were able to convince Charles Bronson each movie. This is how we're gonna do it, and it's pretty much like the same kind of thing, like. Someone part did. part three, he goes back to New York to go see a buddy and gets picked up. Right. Meets Manny Riker in jail and shit just goes from there. Someone does you wrong. Someone <laughs> someone close to you. Revenge. You know, like I I just I mean I don't know. Like after part three, I don't understand why he did. I mean four and five are okay, but like why? Paul Kersey's got to have the fucking worst luck out of any man ever. Like, yeah, exactly. Everywhere he goes, people are raping his women, fucking giving his kids crack and. It's like fuck. You got to keep control of your people, Charlie. Well, you fuck. know what? You know why I think this happened to him in part two again is because move out uh, to the country for fuck's bad sake. karma. Like, no, he attracted some bad vibes when he killed these all these guys from the first one, and like it came back around and tenfold and fucked him over. <laughs> That's what keeps yeah, happening. He doesn't get it. It's a vicious cycle. They they kill you. You kill them. They come back again and again. You know. Mm-hmm. Budget just keeps getting smaller. 
There's quite a bit of difference, like part four to part five, though. Like, fuck, it's eight years. And Charlie, seven, you seven, can tell, seven, you eight can tell, years it's, been a, it's been a while. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, it was like seven or eight years between those two films. Like that well, fucking death, well, the Death Wish franchise spanned 20 years, like, mm-hmm. fuck. But I don't know, fucking, I, I give this, this gets two solid thumbs up for me on the sleaze scale, story scale, that's just a good, it's just a solid good movie. Like, a solid entry to the Death Wish France, the franchise. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they could have stopped here and it would have been fine. I, I do like three. Oh, I'm going to be honest three. with you. Yeah, I love three. I'm going to be honest with you. Four is okay. I really don't even like five at all, really. I mean, like, it's watchable, but, like, I won't be, like, putting it over anytime soon. But, yeah, okay. three is okay, but, like, you know, they could have stopped here and it would have been fine, you know. I got my part five DVD assigned. Really? Mm-hmm. By Charlie? Yeah. No, nah, the guy that did the special effects. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, hey, my he, step- he got his signature. Yeah, he's related to my stepmom, so. Oh, the cat's got the jacket you're telling me about. Yeah, the cat yeah. with the jacket from Death Wish Five. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be mine one of these days. That leather coat. <laughs> it's gonna be mine. You're gonna you're gonna finagle a deal eventually when he's hard up and he needs to make some bones. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! I'll just I'll just wait till he dies and just show up like a stranger at his fucking estate sale or with the family when they're taking things. You're like if there's yeah. what, a leather jacket. You'll be like if there's a leather jacket, hold it for yeah, me. I'll take it. I'll take them all. Because it was Charlie's, right? You said it was yeah. it was Mr. Bronson's. Yeah, Char- Char- Charlie gave it to him at the end of the filming. Because they were oh, talking. Oh, which one? Kind of Death buddy, Wish buddy. 5 or? Yeah, part I don't, 5. What scene was he wearing the jacket in? Or was it just a jacket he wore to the set? You know, I'm not really sure. I'd have to watch it again to see. Because I thought he had a black suit on or like suits on all through that one. But I could be mistaken. Yeah, I've only seen it once. And I, like I said, I, I didn't like it. It was okay. But I mean, I don't know. It just seemed like he was too. He was just tired. Like you could tell, it was like, do I got to do? The fucking this? guy was like eighty-five. Of course, he was tired. I mean, yeah, that's the problem. He looked tired all the time, and it's like, man, you don't need to be out here beating these bad guys up. Go take a nap. Did he <laughs> die like right after this? Yeah, like what a year or something? No, it wasn't a year. He died in '03. It said on his uh, on his IMDb page. So. Oh really? Yeah, hmm. I didn't know that. Hmm crazy i don't know i'd highly recommend it though yeah check it out death wish 2 fuck that's why we're talking about it that's the thing on our show we don't we don't talk about movies we don't like we well sometimes we'll talk about movies we haven't seen like uh contraband but we ended up liking contraband so that'd be it for this though i ain't really much else to say unless you got some more to drive in on it no, we can roll on out, man. All right, well, let's go roll into a break then and tell these cats what you listening to, motherfuckers. Exploited cinema. Attention podcast shoppers. If you have a sweet tooth, we have a special treat for you. If you download an episode of Profondo Cinema in the next half hour, we'll give you a bag of audio ear candy free to take home to the kitties or enjoy yourself. So, hurry and download an episode at ProfondoCinema.com. 
director is, of course, Michael Winner, who's here. He's uh, one of Britain's most prolific filmmakers. This film is his 21st in 25 years. Can I throw another quote at you, Mr. Winner, uh, about from the censor? The censor says the film was cut and shot in order to be sexually exciting, arousing and titillating as a piece of spectacular entertainment. Well, the censor's views on the quality of films are a little suspect as he was a greatly failed television director himself and out of work because he was so awful and therefore took the job of film censor which he does appallingly. Uh, That's you of course read uh, a number of uh, poor reviews because they are more exciting for well, television. Well no Michael, we tried to find some oh, good well, ones and there aren't any you know. Well, we'll be happy to send you at least ten well, very in the good major, reviews. In the major newspapers I'm afraid that was a very... that's why we put in that example from Rosalie Shan yes. uh, also because that was the only goodish comment that we could find. Well the Guardian was a rave and uh, I, I, I called the Guardian Well I could go through it. Newspaper. Alexander Walker said it was over rape if you remember in the evening in the well, standard. Anyway. Well, let, let's not argue well, about that. Let's talk about the film itself. Uh, and I'm just wondering whether you're a little insensitive because at the moment in this country there's a debate going on about rape with some pretty horrifying cases and surely as a filmmaker you should, should be aware of that. Well of course I'm aware of it and filmmakers and dramatists throughout history have always taken their subject matter from what is going on in life and made that into a dramatic story and regrettably uh, rape which is nothing new regrettably is a terrible thing but it does happen it is very much on the minds of the public and I see no reason why any subject should be excluded from drama. Uh, why was it necessary to have the four extra minutes of what is a particularly violent... Well scene? I don't think there were four extra minutes, I think there were probably about three minutes. That's still a lot. Uh, which is quite a lot. We never measured it so I'm guessing, and certainly no more than three. You can't say what is necessary uh, because there is no necessity in drama. The dramatist uh, takes his own choice of what to show or not to show. I can only say that the totally uncut version of the film is being shown to audiences in France, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, Spain, uh, Sweden, Denmark, etc. So the censors there have taken a completely different view and also in America where we were offered a totally uncut version of the picture if we wanted to take an X certificate. So the censor here is particularly uh, strong and believes that the adult population of Great Britain are in some way so feeble or stupid that he has to see things for them right. and cut them for that's, them. That's your view. Anna Rabin, um, who's a journalist, writer, broadcaster, we sent you along to see the film. Uh, was the censor wrong, in your opinion? Well, I regret to say that I don't find it possible to take Death Wish 2 seriously as a film. Um, I was the only woman in the theatre. There were 25 men and me, and the men were cracking up at the dialogue, let alone me. Um, I would have said to coin a phrase, that Death Wish 2 was Barbara Cartland with blood. Um, now, let me just expand on that one little bit. That's if a horror, are, horrifying thought, Barbara Cartland I hope blood. it is I'm a horrifying thought, because nothing else is going to horrify you. You are going to make a great deal of money, and as far as I can see, that's all you care about. And fine, that's your judgment on how you run your life. Isn't that really the point? You know, you said all this in Death Wish 1. What was the reason for making a second one, if not purely for money? Well, first of all, the reason we're making a second one is I thought that the world had changed substantially since Death Wish 1. The mammoth rise in street violence that we had prophesied had come about. Death Wish 1 was on many of the ten best of the year film lists in America, was treated very seriously, and I think society has now changed enough eight years later, which is a long time to wait for a sequel, to make a story of some relevance. And the audience is certainly finding that, because the picture is 
considerably more popular even than the very successful Death Wish One. I don't know where Anna saw it with 25 people. It must have been very early in the morning. Leicester Square Theatre at ten past one. Well, at ten past one, I accept that. I'm very on. sorry, Mr. Winner, but I couldn't fit you into my schedule at any other time. Well, <laughs> ten past one is a very flattering time to be on your schedule. Well, can, can I throw a point to you, Anna, that, in fact, Michael Winner made in an article. He said that he believed the film could save women because it will bring home just how awful rape is. What would you like to say about that? I would like to say that I think we are talking about rape very gently and nicely. And in fact, the sequence, although it involves rape, also involves sodomy, which is something which is not comfortable if you love your partner and wish to be sodomized and is extremely and excruciatingly painful if you are already in a traumatic situation. So let us stop beating about the bush. It is a very nasty sequence indeed. It is, however, worse than nasty. It is dangerous. It is dangerous because it is coy. You cannot shoot a rape sequence which ever shows female genitalia in a film which is going out on general release because it would be described as pornographic. So what you're doing is you're selling an image of power and violence which is in fact worse than a real image. It's an acted image and therefore it is not realistic and therefore powerless and violent people and most powerless people are increasingly violent and increasingly desperate for a moment when they feel they have charge of everything, may try something. And I think that it's not a question of what the censor does or doesn't do with the film. It is a tragedy that a British filmmaker should make such an appalling piece of nonsense and it should receive general distribution and indeed as much attention as this film has received. This is the point I wanted to make to Michael Winner because I'm not going to, I'm going to leave for a moment the, the rape, just talk about how well or badly made the film is. I mean, I know this is a personal thing, but I can think of John Ford West and I can think of Hitchcock movies where violent scenes were in, which were much more artistically uh, dealt with. You uh, have turned the camera uh, uh, rather blatantly on a violent act. Uh, I mean, that surely shows a lack of imagination a film director. Well, Can't you not make your point in any other way than to be sensational? Well, you can cut away to the curtains blowing in the window or the clouds scurrying outside. I don't think that any violent act that is shown is shown. And I don't see anything wrong today in showing what goes on in life. It was not done. But it uh, isn't like that in life. I'm sorry, well, you Mr. Don't know, Anna, you've never isn't. been raped. Have you ever asked me? Well, uh, have you been raped? <laughs> Yes, I have as a matter of technical interest. Is it of any relevance to your film? No. That is not how rape takes place. You're doing, dealing well, with a reenactment. Well, I'm sorry, we dealt with many police and psychiatrists researchers on this picture. All of whom wanted to make a buck. Well, Go on. Well, you want to make a buck. That's why you're here. You're making a buck. The police, people we asked guided us very strongly in the matter of rape in Los Angeles, which is where the picture was set. It mentions, you know, the fact that none of them were paid, so they didn't want to make a buck, unlike you. And their advice was followed in the details of how the thing was shot. Both but, but Personally, I think that's rather cheap, uh, this idea of buck or whatever. But I it mean, cannot I, make, I, you cannot shoot rape as rape is, am I not right? Because if you showed actually the penis entering the vagina, you wouldn't get distribution. Well, I accept that, that we have to... So it's not like it is. It's like well, as much as we can show of it. it and indeed, the... the simulation being shown here is less, is less realistic than what we filmed and which is permitted in all other countries, or nearly every other country, because the censor has made it even less realistic by cutting it, which I think is a mistake dramatically and indeed truthfully. I accept but I mean, that isn't it the, 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 the centre of the story is not the 15-minute sequence well, which builds up to his... Minutes. No, excuse me, the 15-minute opening... Well, it felt like opening, about an hour, I must say. A 15-minute opening sequence which includes 
the rape sequence. That isn't the movie. The movie is what happens to John Ker to Paul Kershey when he decides that he can Paul Kersey, when he decides he can take no more and he becomes quote unquote a vigilante. What is frightening about your film, excuse me, is not the rape sequence, which everybody's getting so very heated about, which is totally inaccurate, and anybody who ever has any, anything to do with it will know is totally inaccurate, God help them. What is frightening about your movie is it's so bad, and it costs nine million dollars. The, the dialogue is, is something which you wouldn't give an amateur dramatic group in, in Toxteth in the Marsh. The, 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 the acting is wooden, you have a, a wonderful presence in Bronson who I don't think has ever really been very well used. You have a dreadfully wooden Jill Ireland saying lines which in an English accent grate on the ear. Very uneven cinematography, Not very uneven well, music. Well, it's a bad movie. All right, you're most entitled to your opinion, but the public are loving it. The public are totally disagreeing with you in their millions in all the countries that it opens, which because is it's about been sold six to or them. seven. No, not because it's been something. You cannot drag people in by selling them anything. The one thing we know for sure in cinema is that what gets people into a cinema is a thing called word of mouth. People come out of the theatre, their pal says to them, where did you go last night? I saw this. Was it good? Yes, they go. Was right. it good? No, they don't go. Right. Johnson, we've got a bad situation out here. I have a bunch of savages out here just aching to splatter you all over the place. They don't want your side told. Now, if you don't come in with me, that's all the excuse they'll need. They'll either kill you or get themselves killed trying. You can't stop it. Hold it! They fight for the same cause. They live by the same code. But now, the law has made them enemies. Death Hunt. Based on the true story of one of the greatest manhunts ever. If anybody's going to bring Albert Johnson in, it's going to be me. Not some bounty hunter or a fly boy fucking for promotion. Why you? Why are you so special? He deserves me. Lee Marvin has the badge and the determination to get his man. Would it make any difference if I waited? If I left now, I'd never know what it would have been like with you. Let's go! He's the last man in the world that anybody'd want on his trail. Charles Bronson has the wilderness. We've been hunting a man who knows how to live off the land and use the terrain. As you can see, he was one of the Americans' best trained men. Special intelligence squad in the war. And the will to be free. The pure fact is he's running to save his eye. And every man he killed, he killed to protect himself. Well, what about Hawkins or Sunbook? Or any of them? What did any of them die for, Millen? Johnson didn't do anything I wouldn't do if I was in his boots. And if I thought the killing had stopped here, I'd let him go. Charles Brunson, Lee Marvin. Death Hunt. Two men of equal courage face each other as enemies and triumph as heroes along the last frontier. There he is! We got it! Death Hunt.
Welcome back, everyone, to Exploited Cinema. We have now entered the VHS vault. And this, uh, I guess this show's pick would be from 1981. Sticking with the Charles Bronson theme and the whole death theme, this is Death Hunt. Yeah, starring Lee Marvin, Charles Bronson, Andrew Stevens, relative of mine, uh, Henry Beckman, he's in there as well. So it's pretty cool stuff. No, he's not related to me. I was going to say, he was a real (laughs) blood relation. I thought he was just like a boyfriend or whatever. (laughs) Your mom's. Yeah, fuck. (laughs) Cut Cut you. Cut me. Smart ass motherfucker. But anyway, uh, this movie takes place in the Yukon, Canada. This is my place, actually. Back in 1931. It's actually based on a true story. Like, Albert Johnson was really the mad trapper Rat River and, uh, Pretty much everything that happens in this movie, barring like how it starts at the beginning and some of the shit at the end, is pretty spot on, actually. But it paints uh, Mr. Johnson as basically a good guy. How can you make Bronson bad, though? That's where it gets. That's where it gets a little whack. (laughs) We'll get to that, though. Okay. But anyway, this movie, it starts out, you got Charlie's fucking rolling into town, must be coming to get supplies or something, and you got these guys are fighting dogs. Mm-hmm. And they cut, and uh, you don't really see who's coming up on it, you just see this horse and shit coming into the scene and cuts back to the dog fights, and uh, all of a sudden you got Bronson, he's stopping the dog fight and fucking starting a big fight, like what, someone comes at him, and then the guy that owns the dog, he comes at him, Bronson kicks the shit out of both of the guys. Isn't this with uh, Ed Lauder or whatever? I love him. He's such a good yep. actor. He's an asshole, though, in this. He plays he's, a good asshole, too. He's the guy that owned the dog that mm-hmm. was uh, that had lost, yeah, and Bronson slapped him around and threw $200 at him, and he's like, I'm buying the dog. The guy's like, dog ain't for sale, man. So Bronson threw him another hundred, gave him a couple hundred bucks, and he just took it. The story isn't any in any of the history. This is fiction completely. This That's- is... This is whack, because what really happened is uh, Albert Johnson, the real mad trapper, was stealing uh, furs and stuff out of other people's trap lines. And he went uh, confronted about stealing the furs is uh, when he killed the first guy. From Ed Lauder's character. Was that really yeah. his character? Hazel was his name in the film. What Was that really his name? or You know, I don't have the book in front of me. I'm, yeah. My dad has it. I read it years ago. That's cool, though. You got the history. You can throw that down, too. Yeah, I can compare it, at least. Yeah. But anyway, this, uh, I guess, who would come into the scene next? You'd have Lee Marvin's character. He plays the sheriff. And you got uh, fucking Carl Weathers himself, Apollo Creed. He's kind of his sidekick, Sundog. 
Yeah, a.k.a. George Washington Lincoln Brown. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I George love that. Washington Lincoln Brown. Yeah. Mr. And Crazy. he's a, he's a Mountie and shit, and uh, so is Lee Marvin. They're they're basically Mounties. Uh, Lee Marvin's kind of the head of the the unit. It's basically what is it, a two man unit right there, huh? Yeah. Well, he's kind of his lackey. Like I don't know if, how much pull Carl Weathers. Well, has. yeah, no, he's a, he's he's like the deputy. He's the sidekick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you got so Hazel, he comes rolling in. He's fucking complaining how fucking Bronson came and stole his dog and stuff. So this is really what starts the whole uh, the whole feud between the character Albert Johnson and Hazel. And well, he went and got a bunch of his buddies together, and they did say he was robbing their traps. Like yeah, you said. Later on, yeah. That's where that came into play, and he gathered those guys up that were pretty much already pissed off at him to go up there and uh, basically, what, uh, hold the place down? And, and, and He was going to get his dog back. He wanted his dog back, yeah. Well, eventually, I guess we, yeah. we cut out the scene where Charles goes into the fucking, uh, this would be the the store, I guess, or the outpost there, and he cleans out, he buys all the ammunition they, that they had. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a cool scene. <laughs> the guy's like, you sure you want it all? Yeah. I'll take everything you got. <laughs> Bought a couple of shotguns and fucking like 700 rounds of ammo. I guess if you can afford it, do it. Well, he was rolling $100 bills, throwing them all over town, so... <laughs> But he was buying up stuff that, like, was smart. Half-dead dogs and bullets? Well, the, maybe not the dog, but the you know why he bought the dog. He bought the dog to save the dog's life. Yeah, just prove a point. Mm-hmm. So. Spend 200 bucks to prove a point. But anyway, uh, yeah, like, uh, what's his face? Fucking uh, Hazel and his boys, they go up to Johnson, Albert Johnson's cabin there to confront him about it, and a couple of it, he tells a couple of his guys like, "Pretend you're lost, go up to him, like get him to open the door," because they were they were more or less just planning to lynch him, really. Yeah, like, like kind of pissed him off, so like they were just gonna go shoot him. And so yeah, but you get a shootout here. What was it? The Indian trapper he gets his face shot off. Real cool special effect too. Yeah, the shootout scenes are great. I mean, they showed. When people got hit, they they definitely got hit. You know, good squibs and stuff. Yeah, you know, didn't skimp on any of that. So Mm-mm. somehow, though, with all this craziness and pe- men getting shot down, uh, Mar- Lee Marvin's character he, he's uh, obligated to take action at this point. And does he bring he brings men up too? Doesn't he? Additional men, and they they surround the place, and it's a all out shootout, isn't it? Eventually. That's the second one, yeah. Like we have like the young constable. He comes into the scene around here. Like my my favorite scene in this whole movie, though, is the scene where they're sitting around. Like, uh, what what I was gonna ask, what's the whole point of that Angie Dickinson in this movie? Like, what did they just bring her in just so Lee Marvin had a bitch to fuck or what? I don't know. I mean, that was just to build character and stuff with the Mountie stuff. I think. Like, I don't. I, I like, guess it was just side plot just to build those characters up. Yeah, no, um, that was a lot of my favorite stuff. Like uh, when they were sitting around, like when the young Mountie and Carl Weathers are sitting there drinking whiskey. And yeah, Buffalo. those were great scenes, you know, because they built character. Yeah, you know? Buffalo woman sitting on his shoulder. I like how Carl Weathers is telling him, "You got to drink it smooth, son. It's smooth." And fucking <laughs> the other guy would try to drink it, and he'd spit it all across the room. And mm-hmm. he's got that big squad. So they're drinking lap. shine, weren't they? Ah, the whiskey. Sun oh, whiskey. okay. Sun- oh, remember, his own home. Carl- 
Yeah. Carl Weathers is trying to say this stuff's named after me and shit, and Lee Marvin calls bullshit on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get the whole backstory, like how Weathers was a pitcher in the Negro League, and they wouldn't let him in the major leagues. and So he came up there to be a Mountie. Yeah, more or less, yeah. But yeah, they, after this party here, they're all passed out. Lee Marvin's taking some pussy, and fucking Hazel and his boys, they rush in again, like, oh, fucking... So and so trapper, so and so he he shot him and fucking yeah he's, he he killed a guy now so this yeah like you said this uh, causes Lee Marvin to gather up the posse and go up there and he's more or less obligated to look into it now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like there's a murder so. And uh, yeah, they surround the place and uh, yeah, shootout and everything else ensues basically. Well, you have the the real mad trapper tips Bronson off that they're coming for him. That other guy out in, out in the bush, because he tells Bronson like you better beat it or. Uh, Wait, why do you say the real mad trapper? Do you think that's the real guy and the guy, character it, that this is about as an? Impossible? Well, as far as far as this movie goes, it's what the, this movie plays it to be, but that's not really how it is. No, that's not right. That's not right. Yeah, I don't. Not. You know, with the whole, I'd have to read the book. I don't, you know, and I don't know what time period the book was written from and and everything like that. But you know. History goes to show when one side's writing the story and it obviously wasn't him, the story gets changed sometimes and it's from certain per- people's perspectives. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. you know, I, I you know if if uh, you know the Mad Trapper had written memoirs or whatever, then I would say, okay, well that's his. You could take both sides, but it's only one side, so I don't know what to believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's true. That's what's documented anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, who wrote who do, who wrote about it? The, the Mountie, or you know what I mean? Whose accounts were they? You got to look into that. So, I, I'd like mm-hmm. to read that book though. If you can uh, figure out what 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 it was called or whatever, and maybe I can track it down. I'd love to check it out. So yeah, it's just a small read too. It's not very big, so a couple hundred pages probably. A little thin. If thing. that, yeah, yeah, thin little fucker. Mm-hmm. I'll see what I can do. But yeah, they got the big shootout and stuff. Like Bronson, he's been tipped off, so he digs fucking, he digs the basement, almost a small basement out in his cabin so he can lay on the floor and they can't shoot him. And mm-hmm. Genius. He's dug, yeah, he's dug in, he's ready for war. And they come, of course, Lee Marvin's up there. He's trying to reason with Bronson to get himself to give himself up. And one of Hazel's boys, they're a little too horny and they pop a shot and kind of starts World War Three, as far as the Yukon goes. Yeah, Bronson fights him off for a while. What he kills like three guys until they finally uh, decide to use dynamite to blow the cabin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What, what does he get away in the when the dynamite dynamite blows or he just stays down? I can't remember. I know they try to pull pull a bunch of crazy shit. He had uh, what would he had done like in real life? He had dug. Uh, they don't really show it, but they kind of you can fill in the blanks. Like when he dug it low, he dug a tunnel out the back. They so don't after, really show that. Dude. They don't show that, but that's what he really done, because that's how he managed to get all his supplies out. Like he had, uh, he had t- taken some stuff off just a little outside of, of the cabin, set it in the bush, went back in, fucking did a little more shit, and then snuck back out. Like when they blew the cabin, he wasn't even in it. Right, exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. I figured he got out some back way, but they never explained. It, and I was like, eh, whatever. It's a movie. Yeah, that's that's what really happened. Anyway. Right. But yeah, he fights them off and fucking kills a few more guys after the explosion, then retreats into the bush and 
they have no choice but to go back to town and regroup Lee Marvin and his guys. Or do they keep on the trail right there? Well, Lee Marvin says, let's go right No, he, he has, but yeah, he has to go back. Yeah, they end up going back though. But it's pretty quick. It's within like an hour or two they get shit together. And by the nighttime, they're already, I think it's like nightfall and they go off, don't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Bronson's not mo really moving too fast, though. He's kind of fucking with them. Well, he's got the snow. He's, he's got the snowshoes, and like he, uh, he's he he's knows how to live off the land and shit. Put his snowshoes on backwards to fuck him, to give him a whack trail and shit too. Mm -hmm. He's a smart old trapper. Yeah, you got the posse yeah. there chasing him through the bush. They get uh, with that military pilot. He comes in. He wants a piece of it too. What was he like? Was he like a Nazi or something? Wasn't he a German? No, he was uh, one of Canada's top uh, fighter pilots, Captain Hank. Oh, he was for the from the military. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. I they didn't explain that really in the movie. They don't really get into anything about that. Yeah, he was some guy who came in to help with the search. He wanted he wanted the glory, like he had a fucking machine gun on the front well, of his plane and everything. Well, well, there was a bounty. There was a bounty, and everybody was all about it. That's why everybody was coming out of the woodwork. It was like fucking. You could compare it to like fucking the California gold rush here, you know. So yeah, it was like five hundred bucks or something, or thousand dollars. Yeah, it was more than that. But yeah, it was up like in the couple thousand or something. I mean, it was more than five hundred, I think. But yeah, those. Definitely a nice chunk of change for 1931, so... That's a dirty 30s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're chasing Bronson through the bushes and stuff, and uh, this is where he comes across the other guy, like his trapper friend. And fucking this guy, he's on the hunt, too. He fucking goes to kill Bronson, but uh, how does Bronson figure that out? Like, he ends up, uh, he knows the guy's hunting him, so he takes his jacket off and sets it on a stick, doesn't he? Yeah, fun as fuck with his head, yeah. yeah. But, but aren't so they that, friends, kind of, too? Well, they were friends, but this guy, knowing of the bounty and stuff, he figures, well, what the fuck? If they think he's the mad trapper, I know where he is. I'm I'm just going to kill him. I'm going to use my friendship against him. Mm -hmm. But Bronson yeah, gets, ends up, doesn't he steal his clothes or something like that? Yeah, they don't really show it, but Bronson, like, when he walks up to him and, uh, with the gun on him, he must have... Uh, Demanded they switch clothes and gag the guy because yeah. Bronson fucked off ahead and he kind of sent this guy wandering back out. As soon as they see him, they're like, holy fuck, there's the mad trapper and everyone open fires on him and fucking kills him. Well, you know, you notice like, cause like you, t I don't know what the real story is with this guy or anything either and what the deal is, if this was real or not, but like, you notice there's like really no character development of the mad trapper, like, even though like you're kind of following him, you don't really ever get to like get to know him. And it kind of this movie actually feels like um, Rambo, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Kind of, very much so. Rambo in the Yukon, but instead <laughs> in the of 1930s. In, yeah, yeah, right. Instead of like Buff Stallone, it's like old man Bronson, old man style. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I like it though. It's better. It's more believable. Yeah. So. I guess that's pretty much the end of the movie. Like they shoot the other guy, thinking he's Bronson, and uh, everyone's well, that ain't buying the it, end of the movie. There's all kinds of little well, these guys yeah. going, and it, it's just little character development that tries to develop Lee Marvin and stuff. But we can pretty much sum it up, like you said. They just finally get to a, a, a junction where 
doesn't Lee Marvin let him go or whatever or something? Yeah, he like, sees him leaving, and they just, well, this is right after they shoot the the other guy. Yeah, he switches they, clothes yet again, another switcheroo, right? He kind of lets Bronson go, and he tells the young Mountie, as far as I'm concerned, this man's Albert Johnson. Yeah. yeah. But there's all kinds of other shit that went on, like that that fighter pilot, he was fucking open to fire all over the place. He actually shot uh, Carl Weathers by accident. Now, is that did that really happen? No, I don't think so. So what's the real account of the ending? Do you think that he got away? or? or... Yeah, the real account is they just caught up to him eventually and shot him in the back. Well, that's how they always did it back in the day. <laughs> lasted the shit out of him and fucking that was it. Because he gave him a chase for so long. It was like hunting a deer. Yeah, he put him on the chase for a while. Did you notice there's a lot of fruity shit going on in this movie, too? Like, fucking, these guys up in the Yukon were pretty gay, I think. Like, Ed Lowder's character, him and his buddies. Make a lot of gay, gay innuendo in this movie. I don't know. I didn't live in that period, so uh, I definitely would have found some pussy for sure. I wouldn't have been some mountain man. I'd have been, I would have been... I would have had some mountain pussy. Seriously. Uh, well, Hazel was trying to get some shit pussy out of Elvin there when they were out in the bush. Chasing, chasing the mad trapper, laid a big kiss on him and stuff. And there's that other character that, like, in Hazel's two buddies, the one guy kept bugging this other guy about this that one stupid mistake you made, and he kept saying some guy's name. And it's like, huh? Like, yeah, there's just some fruity shit going on with Hazel and his buddies. Was there like, anything like that in the book? Not that I know of. They just were throwing that out there. I wonder where they got a lot of their information for this movie. I'd like to know where they found their stuff. If they, I'm sure they read that book that you had, though. I'm sure of that. They had to have looked at that. Yeah, um, they would have got some true accounts from somewhere. And I'm wondering if there's other books written on it. Yeah, there's documentaries I've seen on TV and stuff, too. Mm, okay. Yeah, there's stuff out there. I'll have to do some digging to find out, but... Uh, that's Man interesting. River, Albert Johnson, yeah. Yeah, there, there'll be stuff there to find. <laughs> so, but you'd Wait. never seen this movie until, like, I'd sent it to you because this is, like, well, this was out on DVD, but I don't know how long it was out on DVD. I don't think it was very popular, and it went out of print rather quickly, I think, didn't it? I've been wanting to see this for years. Like, uh, Tony had a copy and was supposed to send it to me and never did. And finally hooked it up from you, yeah. Like, I watched this a couple times. I watched this with my dad, actually, just recently, too. And he enjoyed it? I'm sure he's seen this yeah. before, huh? No. He, no. Was he was surprised that he didn't know this movie existed, actually. Because it's good. It's really... He's like, he's like a movie about Albert Johnson? Charles <laughs> Bronson in it? Lee Marvin? 1981? Where the hell was I? I? It's like, how did I not see this? Like, how did I not know about this? And I'm like, yeah, same thing for me. I didn't even know either, Pa. Now, so, did I put on that little extra on there? Like, I found a video on YouTube. This guy, actually, he put a little documentary with photographs and stuff of working on set. Well, it's at you got to let the movie play all the way through to the credits, and then there will be a trailer, and I think I put this little featurette thing on there. It's about 10 or 15 minutes long of, um, I think the guy was the cinematographer, or he worked on photography and stuff. Oh. I'll have to well, look. I downloaded off YouTube for you, just because there's no, there's no special features really. So I thought I'd. That's what I try to do when I put discs together. I try to like find as much as I can, you know. Cool. Yeah, no, like uh, I didn't want to give away the whole plot on this though, because I want people to actually go out and watch this fucking movie. 
Oh no! I mean, it's a. I mean, the chase is what the movie's all about. It's. I mean, it's a total nonstop action movie. We just gave you. So what about the ending and stuff? I mean, whatever. It doesn't even matter. I mean, I think the it's it's got rewatchability because of all mm-hmm. the scenes. Like like the, for instance, the shootout scene when he's dug in and stuff. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's got a lot of cool stuff. Another film that's getting two big thumbs up for me. Highly recommended this one. This is this is solid Bronson joint. This one. Well, all three of these have been solid. That's why we picked mm-hmm. them because we don't pick fucking movies that we don't like. We pick movies that we do like. So indeed, but I'm just saying thumbs up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. To, to everybody else that hasn't seen this, definitely track it down. Um, I don't know what the DVD goes for. Uh, We'll come up. We'll tell you what the price is going on, like Amazon or something, when we come back with the outro or whatever. We got Can a few other things VCR to get. You screaming in the background? Is it, it, you'd finished dubbing the tape, huh? Yeah, it was my V. It was my VCR just rewinding a tape and stopping. Not to get off topic too much. What you dubbing? Uh, Sugar Hill Part Three. I didn't even know there were sequels to Sugar Hill. So well, this isn't like the. Black, 70s black exploitation Sugar Hill you're thinking of. Though. Oh, it's not. Oh, okay. This is some fucking pimp detective throwback shot on video shit. I never even fucking heard of it. Figured 75, 75 cents a tape. I'll try it out. <laughs> You'll try anything for that cheap. Well, exactly. I'll fuck that for a dollar. Damn. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, well, we're going to recommend it. Yeah, jump into uh, another break, I guess. And, uh, I don't know, we got, are we gonna do, uh, the, uh, contest announcement for the outro or? Ah, we'll see. We'll see how I feel. We'll hit these fuckers with an outro anyway though. Okay. <laughs> Alright, we'll roll us out, buddy. Alright, you motherfuckers are listening to Exploited. Cinema? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right on. <laughs> work hard, don't they, Bonnie? Yeah. I hate to see them work so hard. Yeah, me too. Um, let's go around back where we can't see them. Gee, we ought to do something, Fred. Okay. How's about taking a nap? I, I got a better idea. Let's take a Winston break. That's it. Winston is the one filter cigarette that delivers flavor 20 times a pack. Winston's got that filter blend. Yeah, Fred. Filter blend makes the big taste difference, and only Winston has it up front where it counts. Here, ahead of the pure white filter, Winston packs rich tobaccos specially selected and specially processed for good flavor in filter smoking. Yeah, Barney, Winston tastes good, like a cigarette chug. The Flintstone has been brought to you by Winston. America's best-selling, best-tasting filter cigarette. Winston tastes good like a cigarette should.
right, welcome back, guys. This is the uh, proverbial outro, the uh, the inevitable outro, you know. And this is uh, this this it's all ep- over, fuckers. This episode has been long coming too. Like this is the only one we put out this month of uh, the dirty month of September. And we've been working on it for a while too. Yeah, basically because for the most part, uh, we just really haven't had any time. Like. A little bit here and there, and we've had some internet difficulties, so... Yeah, it's been all fucked up. <laughs> That's for sure. So, but, uh, you know, in a nutshell, uh, we're hoping to bring you guys uh, a shitload of episodes next month. We're hoping to bring maybe four episodes. Um, for That's my plan. That's what I want to try, anyway. Keep our fingers crossed, huh? <laughs> exactly. See what happens, anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to plug a few things before uh, we, we skedaddle on out um, the month of oh, October. Oh, oh, cups the butt plug. Watch out. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think it's here, and I think it's on October. I want to say, let me think here, October 1st uh, or September 30th. Oh, shit, this is, this is, uh, this is coming up here real soon. Damn. Oh. Cinema Wasteland, September 30th, October 1st and 2nd. See, I'm not going, but I thought I'd give these guys a plug because I enjoyed um, the April show so much. Mm -hmm. I wish I could make it to this one. Fuck, I wish, too. But it's basically a Frank uh, Frank Hennenlotter show um, with Frankenhooker, Guests, Basket Case, and... uh, What is it? What's the one there? Um, Brain Damage? Bad bad Biology. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cast members from that, so... Fuck bad biology. But uh, Frank Henenlotter's gonna be there, Gabe Bartelos, which uh, he did the effects work, I guess, on mm-hmm. Basket Case, right? I'm guessing Frankenhooker, too. Um, Beverly Bonner's gonna be there from from uh, Basket Case. Was she in part two? Or did she get killed in the first one? I can't remember. Um... Also, guess David Emge's going to be there. I bet you want to be there to meet him. <laughs> Hell yeah. The Dawn need... of the Dead alumni there. Well, yeah, and he was, he was in Basket Case, too, as well. He played the moon-faced guy. Mm-hmm. Part, part three, it was. Um, Get straight. I thought he was in part two. two. Oh, maybe. I thought it was It says part two. two right here, Basket Case 2, and uh, that's the one I'd heard he was in. I've never seen part two, so... Yeah, maybe you're right. It is part two. I have. I was thinking part three where Belial has the little baby and shit. It says he was in the booby hatch, too. I've never seen that, but I've heard about that. Have you seen that? No, I got the one-sheet poster, but I've don't have, never seen the movie. I want I want it, actually. We need to do... Maybe we need to do a David Emge uh, episode with, you know... Because he's done this... He did a lead role in a movie called Hellmaster from 92. Uh. Yeah, so we should check those out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was I shot... Hey, and, and Hellmaster was shot here in Michigan. He's probably oh. shot on video, too. Yeah, let's <laughs> check it out. <laughs> it should be shitty. Yeah, Delightfully shitty. So, also, a um, gal named Charlotte Kemp um, is going to be there. She was in a bunch of stuff. I'm guessing... A, oh, she was in Frankenhooker. That's Franken- a black Hooker. chick, isn't it? No, no, she's white. She must have been that one, oh, okay. one, of, the hook, one of the hookers or something, I'm guessing. Um, okay. J- James Lorenz is going to be there. He was also in uh, Street Trash. I remember his role on that very well Me from Frankenhooker. Hmm. 
So. Sweet. I'd love to meet him. That would be great. I wish it I was definitely sounds this. like a good show. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Kevin Van Henrik's going to be there as well. Ginger Lynn's yeah. going to be there. Uh, let's see. Who else is going to... Vanessa Del Rio, the lovely and um, beautiful uh, 70s porn star that kind of opened the door for, for uh, black women in the industry back then, I guess, huh? She kind of she was a porn star. I don't know if she's that lovely. I thought she's kind of ugly myself. But. I thought she she had a good look to her, and she still looks good. So my kind of my kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> okay. um, right, I right guess on. I guess William Forsythe's gonna make it to this one. He was supposed to be at the April show, and I was kind of disappointed. I wanted his autograph. He's gonna make it to this show. Uh, I guess he's not gonna cancel. So. We'll see about that. He'll be all fucked up then if it was anything like a couple years ago. What what happened? He was all wasted? I just heard he was all fucked up, getting pissed with fans and stuff, wearing his boxers down by the pool and shit. That's cool. He likes to get down and shit. That's awesome. That sounds fun. Likes to party. Yeah, partying with fucking Forsyth. Hell yeah. That would be greasy. Um, Gunner, Gunner Henson's gonna be there. I got his autograph already. I did, um, used to, uh, well, one time I did it with, uh, through the mail thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, mail order thing, and, um, yeah. Uh, mail order ride? <laughs> not, not that lucky? No. Okay. We also got, uh, George Casana or whatever, um, played the... George chief. Costanza? Is that... No, the, <laughs> the chief Costanza. from, um, Night of the Living Dead. The original Night of the Living Dead. Oh, chili Beat him, Beat him or burn him. Beat him or burn him. They go up pretty easy. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Isn't that Chili Billy? No, Chili yeah. Billy, um... Chili Billy is the, uh, reporter... Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. um, that's old, what's her name? Lori Carroll's dad. Yeah, no, he's the police chief, the heavy set guy with the um, what is that? Like a what kind of hat is he wearing? Throwback, like detective style, uh, uh, fedora or something? Isn't that what he's wearing? Yeah, pompadour or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Uh, for, yeah, fedora. I don't know. Whatever the fuck you said. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he, I love his, he recites some of my favorite lines from that film, even though I don't like the film that much, not as much as the remake, at least, but, uh, yeah, his lines there in that interview are my favorite, so I'd love to get his, uh, autograph. John mm-hmm. Russo, okay. John Russo's also gonna be there. I know people are clamoring to get his autograph, you know? <laughs> fuck, fuck him. Uh, Kyra Schoen's gonna be there. Um, let's see. Who else is gonna be there? Uh, that's of mentioning Mr. 42nd Street Pete. Mm-hmm. Lloyd Kaufman's sleazy ass is gonna make his way out there. Now, they had a table. Fuck, there. Did he ever leave? He, Lloyd Kaufman he probably there. never left from last year. He wasn't there, there in April, but his table was there and they were trying to sell me some of their new shit. And I was like, yeah, I like Toxic Avenger and stuff. And, you know, it's kind of like just left it at that. So. <laughs> It's like, fuck off and leave me alone, eh? Sal Lizard's weird ass is going to be there again. I don't know. He's a, he's a weird motherfucker, I'll tell you that. Some weird cats there. Yeah, I There's didn't a lot, like... There's a lot of weird cats there. Yeah, there is all kinds of weirdos there, man, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Geeks and freaks. Yeah. Tom Sullivan's going to be there. He was hell of a nice guy, I got to tell you. And he had, um, you know, all the Evil Dead props and he's so fucking nice. Uh, anybody that gets to go to the, you know, convention that hasn't been before going to his little, uh, 
I don't know what his little museum, prop museum he's got. Mm -hmm. and Yeah, he's really nice, so went in there for about 15, 20 minutes, bullshitted with him, so. That's awesome. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention the convention because there's going to be a bunch of great stars there. There's another one I wanted to mention, um, if I can remember it or whatever before the end of this or later on. I don't know. Maybe I'll dub that information in that's going on in Grand Rapids, so we'll oh, see. Sweet. We'll see about that one. I'll I'll try to dub that in it later on if I end up remembering which one that one was. So, but uh, we got a contest announcement too as well, huh? Yeah, we're gonna finally roll, give these shirts away before the moths eat them all. Yeah, I've had them for like a month and a half or so now. <laughs> Joe's probably thinking we just hustled them for some shirts. <laughs> he's like, he's probably like, what? Fuck, I sent the shirts out and never heard a damn thing about them. He's like, I thought these fuckers were supposed to give them away. <laughs> well, we finally are. Well, we wanted to get Joe on the show, but, like, just as tight as our schedules have been, they've been as tight as a virgin, so, um, lately, so. But, uh, what it, let them know what the contest is, man, because this has more to do with you than me or any, or even the show, really. Kinda has to do with the show. Oh, about the Canadian. Well, yeah, they're Canadian fur ox shirts were given away. Like I was gonna say, I forgot what the concept of the contest was, though. <laughs> That's great. Totally already forgot what it was all. What we were giving away. They're black and white Canadian fur ox shirts, though. Yeah, they're. You have them, so. Yeah, I have them, and um, I bought one. This is the the one I bought when back when the show was kicking and stuff was the uh, black and the white one, so. And I guess this is the last of them or whatever. I don't know if these were ones that he had printed off and just had hanging around or whatnot. So, um, you know, and they're different size. I don't, you know, I don't know. There's like, I think there's, I think they're XLs is what they are. So I don't know. It, you know what I mean? Whatever you get, you get. Like, I don't know if like you got to give it to like your little brother or whatever. Deal with it. I don't know. Like, there's no smalls or anything. I think the, the I think they're larges and XLs. So. Your skinny cat, give it to your old lady as a nightgown or something. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like I said, uh, whatever the size is, but uh, we're not going to tell you exactly how many there are. I will say there's more than two because, I don't know, the last Less contest, than four? Yeah, le what's that? <laughs> no, I don't think there's less more than More than two four. and less than four? No, there's not. I don't think there's less than four. I think there might be more than four or so. More than two and less than ten. How's that so? Yeah, that that works better. Just to give you an idea where we're at, so, um, and they're kind of we're 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 planning for October, basically the run through October, and sometime whenever we get to the next show in November, is probably when we'll announce the winners. And uh, the way the last contest kind of I don't know, would you say it backfired on us? Not really. I mean, I think we gave the I think we gave black. the poster to the right right in, but. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't was, get a whole lot of participation for as good of a fucking shit as we gave out, though. I think I, we set our standards too high with these guys, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It was a mutilator poster signed by Buddy Cooper, for fuck's sake. Oh, it wasn't signed. Six, I six wish six I could days. say it was signed. It wasn't signed. Oh, yeah. The, it we was. Kept the sign, we kept the signed ones, but still, it was yeah. fuck, It was legit. It was original. Good well, shape. first I kept the sign when it was personalized to me. You could have so gave one of your yeah, sign but, ones because they weren't yeah. personalized. Who paid for them all, too? <laughs> hey, I was going to give you the one we were giving away. I said, hey, man, I felt bad that you didn't get personalized ones. I was just going to send you that one so you could sell it on eBay. It I was, was just going to keep it, but then I figured, ah, fuck it. I'll <laughs> give one to the fans. 
Yeah. I was, was going to get greedy and keep that shit, though. You should have. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It was nice to give it away and shit. Like, I don't know. We, all I wanted was one, and all I wanted was that B-roll one. That's all I wanted. Yeah, well, you know, I would have even settled for uh, just his... I didn't even need it personal. That's why you said, well, you want him personalized? Because you asked me like three times, and I was like, I don't even care. I just want the man's signature. I, like, I don't even care if they're personalized on my end, so... Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, it was nice, and uh, I'm glad we got to spread that around. But uh, so basically, what we came up with this one because we thought the last contest was going to be just too difficult, and so we just decided what we're going to do is we're going to make a thread on the Facebook page. Now you're going to kind of help us too because we're looking to up our you know our account on the Facebook page. So in order to get in on this contest, you have to like the page. Yeah. And become a member of the page if you haven't already. But basically, and I'll double check you fuckers if you like the page, enter the contest. Then I'm like the page. I'll pull your name out of the hat. I'll be watching <laughs> for you, sneaky cunts. <laughs> hopefully, no, none Just of so our. They know. Hopefully, none of our our listeners are sneaky snakes. But if you are, um, the Lord of Greece will be uh, monitoring this closely because yeah, moderator Greece. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, basically we're just gonna start um, uh, a thread on the page, and then basically you're just gonna sound off if you want to be in, involved in the contest. And uh, from there, what, how we're going to decide is I think we're both gonna write um, uh, names, half half names on each end in hats. We're gonna really put the names in hats on each end. I'm gonna pull one. J Dog's gonna pull one. I'm gonna pull one. J Dog. So, yeah, that's how we're going to do it, and it's going to be fair-handed, and everybody's going to be uh, equally uh, up for grabs. So, And it cuts the odds in half, too, that you can win it. Mm-hmm. Instead of all the names being in one hat while well, you're in two different pools, so better yeah, chance of winning yeah. as well. 50. Yeah, I want motherfuckers better sound off like they got a pair with this contest, though. Like, fucking enter and get involved. Yeah, because it's a free shirt, and you ain't got to do shit. All you got to do is just say... Me. Just pay the shipping and handling. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, you don't even got to pay the shipping and handling. I'm going to show that out of my own pocket. So it might take a month for your shit to get there, though. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, we ain't UPS, motherfucker. Well, yeah, I'm slow. I'm sometimes slow to the get go, but eventually we'll uh, you'll get the shirt and stuff. So we don't fuck around. We just mm-hmm. you know take a minute. So. But I think exactly. these, you know, like I said, we do this through October and then. You know, we'll figure it out probably by mid mid uh, November, by the latest, and you should get your shirt before Christmas. So, Christmas from Exploited Cinema. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Furox style. Hell yeah. Yeah, Furox, a little memento uh, from piece of history, really. Exactly, and uh, you know, it was really cool of T-shirt Joe. We forgot to mention that. I mean, throwing these shirts up, it's a uh, Really cool of him to put these up for contests and stuff. Real stand up of him. I was gonna say it's because he's a stand up fellow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's a, he's a god among men. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's just a good he's just a good cat. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And uh, you know, if anybody doesn't really know about Fast Custom Shirts, you should get on over there, fastcustomshirts.com. And I mean, like honestly, if, like you're really into you the movies. Don't know, dummy up, yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're into the movies, we're into like nine times out of ten, like you'll find a shirt that fits you. Like it doesn't matter what the title is, you'll be like, oh well, I want this really obscure film. Yeah, he'll have it. 
Actually, no, I don't I'm, even have I'm to we- think twice about it, you know? <laughs> Just on an off topic, I'm wearing my cruising shirt right now from Fast Customs. I'm wearing my Mutilator shirt from Fast Customs, so, I mean, like, what, we're in I'm the same boat. I don't have the yellow bandana on right now, but I do have the cruising shirt. That's, that's it, it, did come with, it did come with the bandana, though. That's blasphemy, son. That's blasphemy. Yeah. Do you wear that bandana at work or what? No, fuck the old, la- the old lady laughed at me the one day when I was wearing the shirt, and I'm like, "Well, I have to rock the bandana. It's part of the outfit." And she's like, "You're such, you're such a geek." It's <laughs> no, like I ain't taking you, I, I ain't taking you out in public looking like that. It's like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> so, I, so I had to leave the bandana at home. Oh wow! Swallow your pride. Mm-hmm. Oh well. What are you going to do? Yeah, well, hey. Yeah, yeah that's... Got to compromise. That's true. But that's the contest, though. It's easy. Like exactly. the page, comment on the link, your name goes in a hat. It's and fucking bada-bing, bada-boom. And if you've already liked the page, too, as well, then you're already halfway there, so... Oh, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, the nice thing about this contest is, and with the whole Facebook page, is like, the cats that don't listen to the show aren't even going to know this contest is even going on. So, you know, it's going to weed out those that uh, aren't even participants whatsoever. So The posers, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it works out. And, uh, you know, that's how we do our contest. They're still smart, you know, to an extent. So mm-hmm. I want to give the stuff away to the right people. So Exactly. Don't want no freeloaders. <laughs> you gotta at least appreciate the show if you want any of our swag. Exactly. Um, this ain't extreme coupons here, motherfucker. Like, we're not giving shit away for free. Right. Well, exactly. I, I guess we are, but to the right people. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I had one other announcement. Um, I'm not sure when the show will be dropping, but uh, we got a little. Uh, special guest appearance on i guess behind the mask show i don't know how they're gonna tie that one together i don't know if we were on their intro or if that's a sag or not sure really what we recorded we show i don't know it might be though i don't know if it's the whole show i hope it's not the whole show (laughs) we we recorded with them for a couple hours didn't we yeah that's why this show is late yeah, yeah, that's not why. But no, you're gonna blame it on them all right we'll throw it out there what a, well, our show's going to come out sooner than theirs is. I don't think they're going to get theirs out till the weekend. So I'm just, ours I'm just fucking, I'm just busting their balls. <laughs> it was great though. We we talked about uh, just kind of bullshit about what we've been watching, and uh, I don't know. We we got to talk about a bunch of cool shit, and I enjoyed it. So yeah, it was pretty off the hook. I hope they. Good. I hope he edited it up a little bit because we were kind of clowning and off the wall. <laughs> it was that's the, that's the classic stuff. That was the yeah, classic. There was, stuff. Ma- there was some madness going on there, definitely. It was a fun little sit down, and uh, I'm glad we could do it and stuff because uh, I don't know. They've done our show like three times now. So well, mm-hmm. Riverman was on last uh, episode for the intro, so. And uh, it's always great to have the Lost Sean. He, I love, I love hearing both of them. They're they're such a great duo, and the, I hate to suck their dicks right here, but I have to. It's a great back and forth. Yeah, it's good, good collaboration, us and them, and they got solid show, definitely. <laughs> but we still need to get on with Profondo Cinema. I wrote into these guys, and they're like, well, we've got. Yeah, I hope they hear this too. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it. We, hey, you quit talking shit. We're busy. We're busy. Well, hey, I understand. You, they just got back from a trip 
to PA and man, they got two episodes out of that little trip. That was fucking awesome. I haven't heard their Day of the Dead commentary yet, but uh, I heard the Night of the Living Dead commentary. I think they were in the motel room and uh, wasted. It was pretty much a drunken commentary. It was great. It's fucking oh, awesome. Nice. If you get a chance to check it out, it's it's good. So, um, but yeah, hope hopefully maybe we can wrangle something up. Um, because like like I said, we're going to be doing or hoping to. We're not for sure, but uh, we'll see how things go. We know we're definitely going to bring you more than two episodes next uh, month, though, for sure. So, yeah, they're already push, all planned we're push out for as many as we can. Yeah, and this next one is is for you. Well, there's something in there for our British listeners because I know they've been growing for all the British. Yeah, and you it's got, not tea and crumpets. No, you, I know you guys will like this one because wasn't it banned there originally? Mm-hmm. Like the the it was like they got a cut version. So and it's, indeed, it was. It was made for TV actually. Oh originally. yeah, I, re- I read that. That's crazy. Like how they. Well, hey, you know, I can see people doing that even nowadays, making something like that, and then that's what they did with Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. That was a made-for-TV movie, and then I think they shot more stuff, and then it was, you know, on the re-release. So. True that. But we're not going to give that away. You'll just have to stay tuned. Uh, keep an eye out on the Facebook page. We always drop little uh, clues in the form mm-hmm. of trailers. I don't know if anybody's here to grind I should hope they have. And, um, yeah, uh, anybody, <laughs> any new listeners that, uh, you know, just started listening? I, I know that I, th- I think there's a couple out there now um, that have just picked up the show and, uh, if you want to correspond with us, got anything on your mind, drop us a line at exploited underscore cinema at yahoo.com. Like I said, you can also hit us up on the Facebook page with questions or what have you. Uh, and you can also send in audio responses if you're real slick with the recordings. Uh, and we'll Indeed. play it on the show. Um, we're hoping to get um, a uh, phone line here soon so we can start really um, directly corresponding with the fans that hasn't quite come together yet but there's like i hate to say fans but there's actually like guys out there that clamor for this damn show i mean i understand why i know where they're coming from you got like got you know guys at work and they can throw on the podcast or whatever or they got long drives maybe they do all maybe their job is all driving you know so mm-hmm. this is Gives nice to do fuck yeah it actually makes your job actually enjoyable i actually remember i worked at a fast food joint and um i did dishes and shit like that and uh yeah they'd let me rock the headphones and shit and i kind of actually looked forward to going to work just so i could listen to podcasts well guaranteed man Give me def- definitely help the night go by yeah it does so i understand where you guys are coming from so Fear not, we only brought you one episode this month, but you know what? We're making up for it next month. We're going to do it right, because it is our birthday, too. So mm-hmm. October 30th is our birthday officially, and we've yeah, we've got a, we got a month load of craziness for you guys. So hopefully an interview, too, as well. Oh, I'm giving away too much already. Shut up. Ah. <laughs> Grease is getting deep here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with that said, I guess we're gonna roll the fucking show out. You guys have been, uh, great though. I mean, as far as listeners and everything goes, we've got, we've gotten some great feedback and like, really appreciate, um, the listeners mm-hmm. more than anything. Got, so, we got some mighty fine listeners, definitely. Mm-hmm. Great listeners. But yeah, no, I just wanted to say thanks to all the new listeners as well. You were doing all that dick suck, and I just wanted to pine in a little bit. Like, yeah, fuck, I appreciate it, too. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, there's more dick sucking that can go around, I guess. <laughs> yeah, wh- whip it on out, fuck. Right, exactly. Dicks in, the, dicks in the dick sucking mood. But anyway, <laughs> on that note, roll us on out, homie. What these cats listening to? Exploited cinema. Of course, the truth. Greasiest.